0: Hey, Chris Johnson. Luke Barrett. AKA C J. Absolutely, sir. Hey, hey, thank you thank you for coming and doing this, man, especially in this nasty weather.
1: Hey, well, I tell you what, uh, I'm happy to do it. I remember meeting you at the training center many years ago and uh a rough and ready firefighter. Just a- thoughtful individual. I couldn't be happier to be here this morning. Oh
0: All right? man, I really appreciate that. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. probably pretty scary little firefighter when you when you first met me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well you didn't know as much as you know now, right?
0: Yeah, and that was what it was, Through Those classes were kind of intimidating, you know, because, like, before everything was in-house, you know, like, art school. Yeah. Guard school, we're all scared together, you know, and we, uh, at that time, we went to Birk, Birch Creek, which is just uh, north of Dillon there, so we kind of went off in our own little compound right. and just met some of the engine foremans and stuff at the time, you know, came in and would teach each class, and but all you knew was, like, your fellow rookies, and then you get out in the world and kind of see some stuff, and, and then i come to Missoula to take a class from you at the campus, and I don't think I'd spent any time at U of M yet, so... Going from, like, Small Dylan, where I was going to college, to there. I was like, holy cow. You know? Well, you
1: know, it's an interesting story about that training center a lot of people don't know. It got started back with Kitty Ortman. Oh, really? I don't know if you've ever met Kitty Ortman. She's no. a rock star. She's uh, She supports Northern Rockies Coordination Center from time to time and dispatching, you know. Oh. But, uh, you know, before that, before Kitty, there was nothing. There was the void, right, the great void in training, the kind of training you're talking about yeah. where, hey, we got all these – men and women learning all over the region, all over the nation. And, yeah, there's the geographic area training center for the big boys across town, right? Yeah, yeah. But what is there for your local leadership? How do we make sure we're doing this? We're kind of on the same page, you know, type three organization, you know, right? Yeah. So there was nothing. So Kitty was just having a conversation with a couple of people. A matter of fact, one of them was uh, he was a, a volunteer fire department chief. And they were talking about the same thing, so they started it with uh, three or four people. Uh, Bill Miller was in at the beginning of it, who ran Great Northern uh, crew for a while. He was down at NAFRI teaching at the National uh, Aviation Fire Training Center, you know, in Tucson. And now, you know, he's been doing that since. But they started that for that very reason, and they would have you know six, eight people in a class. As word was spreading, yeah, because it wasn't funded by anybody, right? They were just they were just doing it, uh,
0: like volunteer then, eh?
1: and they were charging tuition. Oh, who charges tuition, right? So, yeah, um, so anyway, when I, I went, I was in the Bitterroot. I was on the Bitterroot back in. Uh, I'd gone off. I I've been I've been working fire since 1988. Uh, up in Libby, I'm from Libby. Yeah, and uh, fifth generation up there, Libby loggers from That's a awesome. logging family. Oh, know? really? Oh, yeah, yeah, and uh. So anyway, I I had wanted to follow my mother's footsteps and teach school. She's a fifth grade teacher, you know. And so I was 12 years of seasonal, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. I left to go teach. And when I come back, I taught for fifth grade in North Carolina for a couple of years, loved it. But it was going broke, and it's pitiful what we pay <sighs> teachers. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's terrible. sales for books, you know. So. Yeah. So anyway, I come back. Long story, but come back and there was there been the big fire hire in 2000 all the people like me who were seasonals they had permanent positions now right engine foreman used to be a GS5 temporary position now you've got you're riding benefits and you put a little money away for retirement and I didn't qualify for my old position so they sent me uh they sent me up to Kitty Orman, they called it Kitty College. <laughs> you're going to Kitty College. Yeah. I like, okay, whatever. Look you know, at a I nice go ring, good. College, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And dude, I walked in there and I was like, this is what I want to do.
0: Oh, just like from what she was doing, you're what like, she was doing. Man, I love the what's going on here. I love it.
1: Yeah. There was interagency people, right? Yeah. There's, I got a, I got a guy from the county. I got a guy from BLM. I got someone from the a couple of people from the Forest Service. They've all got these different perspectives, and it's just a big conversation. Right, we're essentially having a conversation. Yeah, and I'm a behaviorist, right? So you haven't learned anything from me until I it manifests itself in a change of behavior. Oh, right. Otherwise, it's just to me, it's just contemplation, right? I'm I'm thinking about making a change. Well, are you? Oh. you know, are you gonna do it? Yeah. You know? And that's what wildland firefighting decision making is all about. It's like a change in a course of action, right? Yeah. I'm gonna go from doing this over here that may or may not be working, or I'm gonna get a little more efficient right yeah and i'm gonna change something i'm gonna do something different and man i fed off that uh hugh warford was one of the instructors shout out to hugh um because i don't think he trains much trains folks anymore he's probably long since retired yeah but that was old hugh warford he would say hey you don't show any change man what are we doing here why are you coming just for an intellectual exercise yeah so anyway i mean long story yeah go ahead you know, I was there for 11 years at that training center. And, oh,
0: and where was that? It was here in Missoula?
1: Yeah, well, it's at the U. Right? Oh, is it was at the U. Oh, yeah. That's the, the U. Yeah, 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 Oh, the yeah. one that you, so yeah. re- just recently. Southwest Montana Zone Training Center. You know, yeah. the mightiest
0: uh, zone training center in the land. It's a right. And it felt like it, too. You know, I yeah. didn't I didn't know not really anyone else was doing it because, until I went to Region 6. You know, and I was like, you guys don't have a CJ? <laughs> you know?
1: Right. You know, and I, I would get, I wouldn't say I would get into trouble, but I would push the envelope a little bit over there, you know, uh. Take on classes. The one thing I had over there, thanks to my old boss Laura Ward, who you know, to me, she's a she's a very humble person, but she's a legend in the business. You know, she retired a few years ago, but yeah. she gave me the flexibility to to really do what I needed to do and go in any direction I wanted to go within limits, right? I mean, yeah. but to be to be able to be creative, to be able to. Uh, really gather any cadre, any teaching staff I wanted to, take as many students as I wanted to. Yeah, We went virtual before virtual was cool, right? Y- I mean, yeah. before we had to in the pandemic. Yeah,
0: yeah before virtual was cool. <laughs> and, it,
1: and it worked. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, everybody throws that under the bus, but I'm here to tell you who's ever listened to this podcast, if you think the training can't be done virtually, you're absolutely wrong. Yeah. You know, I all you need to do is reach an adult learner. And I can reach an adult learner through a headphone just like this. Yeah, a little video just like this. They don't have to be, maybe like you say, when you come into that situation for the first time, coming off a district. Now you're in, you know, you're feeling nervous, right? Yeah, because you're around your peers. You don't know what they know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You think you're behind already, Always. When you're not, right? <laughs> yeah. And so now I got to break through that barrier before I can do anything for you. You know, I can't save a drowning man from the dock. Yeah. I got to dive in and see where you are. Now yeah. I got to deal with all this too. I got to deal with your ego, and I got to deal with you know, you're feeling like maybe you're not adequate to be here. Yeah, man, it's virtual. You're sitting in your home. You've taken care of business with your family. You got a cup of coffee. You had your food. You don't have to worry about travel. Yeah. Right. don't worry about parking at the university. Y- and now you're just settled in, and I think their people are ready to play way more yeah in a virtual environment say that um, there's a social aspect to it right there's a meet and greet that goes on in the yeah. in-person training but I tell you man people are resilient they'll yeah. learn they'll learn and I tell you what you'll save you know I don't want to get on a soapbox but you save millions of dollars in travel per diem and you'll train more people quite frankly right? yeah. so anyway
0: yeah, no, I absolutely yeah. agree. And, and like you so said, just the little stressors of the travel, you know, like um, I was on D, so coming from Whitehall and then figuring out, like, taking my POV and then worrying that I'm going to get a ticket because, uh, you know, like, um, I think you would t- you'd say that, you you know, let me know if you're going to be in your POV so we can get you set up to get the, the parking pass. and absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, your people, have, like, just didn't grab one or whatever from you and some simple, you know. Fifty and, bucks. Yeah.
1: Fifty bucks, and I'm no help. I tell them, listen, yeah. man. You get a ticket around here. I'm no help.
0: No, yeah. If I walk
1: in behind you. They're gonna look at me like you again. <laughs> yeah, you're Aren't back. you telling them?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I'm no help, man. Yeah, you're on your own. So, like, so it takes the stress out. And then the, the way the Zoom works too, or the Teams, yeah, Zoom, right? Where yeah, Teams, Zoom. 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 Yeah, yeah, and you can break it up in those little uh, groups, and that really helps too, because then the discussion happens. Like, you get the the main project out, and then break up in your teams and your groups. And then, like, before I had an you know an FMO or an FMO that was head of it, and get to talk back and forth and and I, I think it you get more personable with that higher up person that you know even as a seven you might not talk to an fmo that much in your in your life you know
1: yeah you know there's this there's a sense of intimacy right there when you're it's all you hear right if you're if you're locked in on your training you're in your room it's a different sensory stage right I mean yeah you're, you're completely locked in it's one brain talking to another yeah. you get the right coach right yeah but this you know, the way this sound comes through clean, the way you have nothing else to do, no other real input, I mean, for me, it's a pretty powerful way to teach. It's discounted because it's not traditional. Yeah. But I'm here to tell you, man, we never had... When I, I would do, I'd always keep up with the students. How you doing? You enjoying this? Is this hard for you? Would you rather be someplace else?
2: Yeah. No.
1: I mean... Almost to a person, some people would have a technology problem, right? I don't have internet
2: yeah I don't
1: have this i'd set them up I'd send them a what do you call it a hot stick or a yeah, a
2: little something hot spot thing something a hot spot, right? thing, yeah. a hot spot yeah. thing,
1: a little laptop and say you know, come and play, we can have fun we're gonna we're gonna do this yeah that would but that was it otherwise way more way higher marks than we ever got for in person.
0: Yeah, so. well, that's what I kind of was, too, because and, and until I got into college a second time when I was going to uh, phys- pre-physical therapy school, well, it was, it was like my own, like I was getting my prereqs for pre- for physical therapy, I guess, and uh, someone mentioned, like, earplugs, taking pl- uh, tests with earplugs, and that really helped me out, because I'd, I'd hear something in my brain, would be like, what is that, you know, and I'd be trying to, and like you said, so taking the test online, same deal, you know, like it's just me in a room, So I would just really focus on the question instead of, like, the something you have to read that's longer than a sentence, my brain will wander a little bit. Like, I'll read it, and then I'll hear whatever, a sniffle. It could be something little, and then my brain's like, you know, on that, instead of being like on the sentence, and i got to go back and reread, you know? Absolutely. So I think it helped me, you know, at least my learning style. Yeah. But I'm I'm a personal guy, too, so that was the only thing I was missing, was just the in-person kind of shaking hands and getting to know folks. Yeah. So that's the only downside for me, but other than that, though, the... The nice thing is you don't have to stress either getting in the class either because you know like in person you can only have so many people in the classroom. So twenty four,
1: right? Yeah, everybody's worried about that. Can't have more than twenty four, and it's you got. Listen, I want to. There's there's some instruction, but then I want to get them with a coach, right? Yeah, I want to get them with a mentor, not necessarily a coach, but that's a that's an okay term too. But I do. I want to keep that less than six, and it's hard for people, you know it's hard for people because it's a the one thing i do know is that for most people it's a collateral duty as my canadian friend said yesterday yeah. it's a it's a quarter of my desk
0: it's a quarter yeah
1: yeah and i was like what'd you say He <laughs> says, a quarter of my desk i'm like oh like a collateral duty he goes no like a quarter of my desk <laughs> three quarters of stuff i do is not this yeah. i'm like okay i'm understanding you
2: yeah oh that's awesome <laughs> so, man
1: so uh uh trying to recruit people to come and teach or coach, uh, I'd always get I'd get great guys. I get Benji Haig, you know, Jay Wood, they were foundational yeah. coming up. Um Brandon Chaikowski Chick, you know, greatest beard in show business. Oh, it really is. You man. know, I I think it's a lot of these guys who have come through, um, and I don't want to miss anybody, you know, the Bill Millers, the Todd Wilsons, uh those guys year after year after year dedicated their time to their craft right i mean they put a lot of work into that because they wanted to deliver a good product right they wanted to take material that they felt maybe wasn't so hot right that was developed for everybody and develop it for these guys yeah you know and so i can't you know if it was just me you know over there it wouldn't have worked all these people and then behind the scenes with your Ginger Clausen's, your Deb Graham's, your Amy Saltzman's, right? Yeah. I mean, all these people that handled all the logistics, the billing, all that stuff to make it work. I mean, I was in the catbird seat. The only reason I would have left is the job I took was positioned me a little bit better for retirement, yeah. right? To take care of my family and all that kind of stuff. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't have left that training environment,
0: right? That- uh, at all. I think people could tell too because even when you know I was talking about um possibly having you on and I like I said before we started you are one of the first people I thought of because of the job you do and how much you do for um for the forest, well for the fire agencies in general just not even you know not even just the forest service. And uh you could tell it it means a lot to you so you put a lot into it so people we're really excited to have you on because I think people also miss the connection because they usually see you or talk to you at least once a year, you know, through class or whatever it might be, you know, or on FireLine. Like you said, you didn't, you didn't even yeah. have, have much for fire last year. I miss that. Yeah. I really do, you know.
1: But I'll I'll let you in on something. I've told this to a lot of students before, but this is my foundational belief, is that the second best idea this country ever had, short of throwing out the British, right? Yeah. That's the top. Yeah. Is that we're going to have public lands... For everybody and we're gonna have some people that steward them that you know Gifford Pinchot said hey we're not only stu- stewards but we got to get creative too we got to always be innovative and creative looking forward yeah. right so those two things meld in training and implementation they really do yeah so I get to do that right I yeah. get to make sure that everybody else has a shot at the same opportunity I had coming up um you know, fires change a lot. Fires change a hell of a lot in my career. You Man. know, it's uh, when I was a kid, when I was 18, 19, my dad was in the Forest Service. He was in the Forest Service for forty years. You know, really,
0: and logging too. Hey,
1: well, he was in timber. Yeah, yeah. he was in timber. Oh, gotcha. Guy still knows he was. He was. Uh, we moved a lot as a kid. Oh yeah. You know, always in a green truck.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, in a very family atmosphere at the district level growing up. Not yeah. a lot of distractions. A lot of distractions now. Yeah. There's a lot of distractions. For good or for worse, right? But we had everything there at the district. You had admin. You had tech. You had timber, trails. You know, you get it, right? Yeah,
0: because when I first first got on, some of that stuff was was fading out. Like, we still had, like, an admin person, but they were kind of moved into a different position. They had, like, limited power, but they Mm. could still help you out. Because I remember... Um, something was going on with my app my first year and they were able to help me kind of sort things out and help get it like pushed through to Albuquerque, but mm-hmm. transition was already happening. And yeah, yeah. So, so that's... I grew
1: up in that, right? Yeah. And when, it, when there was a fire, everybody showed up on the weekend, yeah. everybody was there, you know, it was the same guys and same, same men, same women from the office. They didn't have to have all the qualifications you have to have now. So a lot of them could just go, Yeah. you know, go and help. When I was a kid, we'd have, we had a big prescribed fire program. It was up on the Kootenai where my, my dad worked. And there's a lot of country up there, you know. And uh, so there was a lot of logging going on at the time and a lot of logging slash. So we burned a lot of slash. A lot of cedar slash, you know, hemlock, oh, yeah. thick stuff, a lot of stuff. You know, you kind of got to wade through it to take your strip right yeah but when it when it went out when it when it went out there's so much open country so much public land up there that when we lost the burn for 10 20 30 acres we just we'll come and get it tomorrow oh yeah we'll go burn again we got more to burn yeah. we'll come back we burn at the right time so mother nature's gonna take care of it yeah well, and you know what's the harm right? yeah
0: a couple bonus acres and exactly yeah, right not a big deal
1: so that was the that was the environment i grew up in but with wildfire you know it was rare to get out i mean 1988 yes a lot of us went down into yellowstone that was a big deal you know because it was the first time all that upper elevation lodgepole at least here in the northern rockies in modern time was going off
0: i was going to ask you about that because i thought the 88 was the the big yellowstone fires
1: yeah yeah you know and a lot of stories a lot of a lot you know a lot of there's a lot of hose lays going on protection because at that time and still, they manage their lands a lot different, right? Yeah. It's untrammeled, right? Wildfire has a place, got an important role, a renewing role, right? They understood that in 1988 just fine. Yeah, They're living in a lodgepole landscape. It has to burn. Yeah. It's stand replacing. That's what it does, right?
0: Yeah, it needs to burn, yeah.
1: But the communication at that time from the park superintendent, if I remember his title correctly, was let it burn. We're letting it burn. when he didn't mean we're not doing anything. He meant we're supposed to let it burn. Yeah, we're supposed to let it be on the landscape. That's what this is all about.
0: Man, he kind of had his time then there. He know? was ahead
1: of his time, but he took some lumps. He took some serious lumps. <laughs> like, bet. what do you mean? There's thousands of people up here. You're not doing anything. Yeah. What are you all doing?
0: Yeah, being a national park. You know.
1: Yeah. So aside from that, in '88, it was quiet. From '89 to '93, '93 it rained every year. Kind of a funny story. I was given my first. Uh, I was an assistant foreman, GS4, uh, 1039. I'd just come over from DNRC from the state. Actually, it was mm-hmm. called the DSL at that time, Department of State Lands. Oh. It had yet tra- to yet to transition to Department of Natural Resources <laughs> <and> Conservation. <laughs> I will <won't, Yeah>. right? <laughs> yeah. Uh So, anyway, I transfer over to the green side, the good side. No offense, you DNRC partners, John Carr, Matt, Corey. Yeah. No offense, but, Carl. you been on both sides, Nick.
0: And they right? know. Yeah. You know. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh but I go over and I get I get a budget from Jay Adams, my FMO. He gets his, Chris, he called me Chris. Most people call me CJ, but he called me what my dad calls me. My dad calls me Chris. Mom called me Chris. Yeah. He says, Chris, I'm gonna give you five thousand dollars. And I want you to build a fiftieth anniversary smoky trailer. Fiftieth anniversary of the bear. Yeah. I said, You got it, Jay? What do you want? He's like whatever design it's got to be on a trailer you got to pull it around Hmm. so in 93 that was that year it rained almost every day everybody remember that time 93 it poured and so we built this trailer which was a i'm not a good carpenter it will be over engineered it is still running on the highways of lincoln county it is
0: that's awesome
1: uh it's this four-door french door thing you'll see it up at libby district up there Um, we pulled around, we had a, we put a, in the middle of this, uh, this little cabin we built on a trailer with these four French doors. We could open up the top doors and kids could roll dice, fuzzy dice to get there, to get a number, any number. But if they rolled craps, they could get (laughs) any poster they wanted. Oh, really?
2: Yeah. (laughs) That is
0: awesome.
1: And there was a poster called light up the night. It was very popular. It had bats, nocturnal animals. Right, they all oh, wanted that one. So, yeah. anyhow, so we built this thing, and my my assistant, it was Jake Rosling. Jake, shout out to Jake. Jake yeah. is now a detective with Missoula uh, City Fire Department. Great guy, great kid.
0: Yeah, thanks for what you do, Jake.
1: Yeah. Um, so Jake comes to me. We have it's now the unveiling. Oh, and the, we got people from the Spokesman Review. We got them from Kalispell, of course Libby, right, the Western News, maybe a TV station, I don't know, but they're going to come up and cover it, and Jake comes into my office, he's got this look, he's like, CJ, we got a problem, I'm like, what, because we're about to roll, Jake, what's going on, he goes, we got a problem, we built a ship in a bottle, (laughs) because it rained every day, we built it in the shed, we built it in oh and it wasn't gonna fit it wasn't gonna come out
0: (laughs) after you talk about size yeah too
1: tall for the door to get out and i'm like oh the are here jake yeah the press right so i said i said how close are we can we take the garage door off he's like no it's not it's too much we're gonna have to take the axle of this trailer off and drag it out and we did we put it up on blocks we took the we took the axle off and drug it out and it sounded like nails on a chalkboard <laughs> and these pre- the press looking at us like, what are you doing yeah. you oh. idiots and they took it easy on us Oh, good they didn't they didn't have any panning photos of me you know yeah the photo of me is by this uh, by the window that should have been three feet above my head yeah by the window given this they gave, they took it they took it easy well the reason I tell that story is because 93 it rained every year but then early in 94 storm came.
2: Oh yeah right 94,
1: so we hear early on in the year that we got jumpers that sticks out of Missoula uh primeville, you got a hot shot crew, you got an engine crew down at G j Grand Junction, yeah, they're up on a hill. I knew where that hill I know where that is right I know where that country is, yeah, but we got guys we got legends that are that are dead, yeah, you know Don Mackey, Mackey Thrash. Yeah. And a lot of our people that were here, uh, that were jumping out of Missoula, I mean, they were they had elevated status in my mind. You know, to be a smoke jumper, it, to me, is the pinnacle of the operation. Without the smoke jumping organization, we don't in Man Gulch, right? We don't yeah. get placed at really as the the main. We'd have done, we'd have been the main fire agency nationally, wildfire agency anyway. But we don't get the cachet, we don't get the ear of Congress, we don't get the we are, it's us. Yeah. we are. And no offense to my USDI partners, right? But at that time, without without Man Gulch, without the the paratroopers coming back from WW two, yeah, and the tragedy of Man Gulch, we don't get. The kind of cachet that we have for what it's for what it is, right? Yeah, it's intangible.
0: And and to tag onto that too, um, because of smoke jumping and and all the stuff that was going on at at uh, NCSB North Cascade smoke Jumper Base, you know, with the trials and Francis Lovkin and all the testing they were doing on parachuting and become and and uh, developing a, a program for training and actually like doing jumping on a regular basis, because there wasn't any of that in the whole U.S. Mm-hmm. So without that, you wouldn't be able to train the paratroopers for like D-Day and all that stuff that happened in World War II, you know. So it's like man it's important like you said if there wasn't smoke jumpers then I don't know what would have happened during World War 2, you know.
1: Right. So so now fast forward to that 94 when everyone's had this, you know, nothing of 93. Back in the day, if you got out on a wildfire and you bought a probably got a t-shirt, right? Yeah, yeah. Go get your t-shirt. You could lord that t-shirt over everybody in the shop cuz no one was going out. You didn't get to go out. You got we didn't have type 5, four, three ICs at that point. We were all single-resource ICs or multiple-resource ICs.
2: Oh.
0: That's
1: all we were, you know. Simple, though. So you go get your single tree 10, 20 times during the season, 10-acre fire, oh, boy, season-ending event, yeah. right? That's just the way it was at that time. And then 94, they had in that Gamble's Oak, Underburn, they felt the level of security probably left a remnant of the earlier year, of the last year. And then we got the overburn, burn back through up top. Everybody's trying to get to high ground, yeah. major fatality situation. And I still know a lot of those folks. I know a lot of those survivors from Storm King, and I hold them in reverence. Not only because of you know everybody goes through situations that they didn't want to, they didn't choose to be in. Yeah. They don't consider themselves heroic. Icky Woods,
2: yeah, Icky. Uh,
1: Kim Lightly, Kevin Erickson. Yeah. I could go on. Yeah, hippie, right? right? Yep, hippie. They they're not. They don't consider themselves heroes. They're in a they're in a terrible situation. But the kind of the sea change that came over our training and operations after Storm King was was due to that incident. Yeah, right for better or for worse. Yeah, right. It was a complete sea change. And the out of that there was a there was a caterer that was set up in the Northern Rockies. You know, they worked a lot of Idaho fires. They used to have catering uh businesses that would come in. Yeah, yeah. They'd have a commissary. Sorry, a caterer. Commissary. And I remember nineteen ninety no I'm sorry, nineteen eighty nine. Sorry if I bounce around. No. A no. lot of memories coming back. Yeah, right?
0: Absolutely. That's what these podcasts are for, man. Just- yeah.
1: So 1989, there's a group of us from the Kootenai that go down. And, you know, it was a bad year. I, we, Kev, There was a fellow by the name of Ke- Kevin Yeager I went to high school with, who in 1989 on a fire in a near the Loman complex where we'd gone down as a crew, he, he jumped into uh, a river to catch a little coolness after work and was swept away and died. Oh, whoa. And that was 1989, you know. Kevin was a good kid, young kid. He was, you know, we were 19 at the time. Oh, right? brutal, yeah. And, you know, at that time, we stayed on the assignment, went to work in the morning, went to the next fire. I right? did the same thing. Not that we were somehow tougher, superhuman or whatever. It just it was accepted that it, it was, you just kept working. Yeah, I was
0: like, well, right? there's a job to do. and
1: Not saying it's a good way to go. Yeah. Right, it ain't worth dying over. No, right. But some people are going to die. Some people are going to get seriously injured yeah. and not come home the same way, or not come home at all. Right.
0: Yeah, dangerous job.
1: So anyway, the point of this story, other than you know remembering the sacrifice of families across over time, which yeah. is important to me. Right.
0: Uh, me too. That's part of doing the podcast. I didn't want to cut you off. I wanted to add to that. You yeah. know.
1: Absolutely. Right. It's it, it's. The camaraderie and the relationships is everything of why I do, right? Yeah. It I just happen to be. It happens to be in a job that uh, you cannot knock me off. What I said earlier about there, we are stewards of public spaces, and there's even public space out there. I don't care. I mean, angry citizens, angry county commissioners, politicians, or people, homeowners come and yell at me and berate me out of fear that is now making its way out of their body in anger because they don't want to show me that they're scared, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I give them a lot of leash because I understand. One, I work for them, uh, but there's a bigger picture. Yeah. Right? There's a bigger picture of what's going on. And so I, I, I value that a great deal. So, back to the story of around 1989, Loman Complex, and I'd met, I'd blown out my boots. I had these red wings. Oh, yeah. You know? I buy these Red Wings, and I, I could have bought some whites. Whites at that time was the pinnacle. Yeah, Drews hadn't speared off. You know, they're all working together in Spokane.
0: Yeah, even when I started, kind of seeing do a lot of Red Wings too. My first year, <laughs> right?
1: Because yeah. you like a three hundred dollar pair of smoke jumpers, or am I going to get a ninety dollar pair of Red Wings? My yeah. dad's like, you get some Red Wings. The same. So I blew them out. Whole side blew out. So I got to go to commissary. And this guy hates this story when I tell this story. <laughs> 'cuz this is a $90 pair of boots. I'm well aware yeah. of what these boots are costing me. And they are $250 in commissary. But I got to have them. Yeah. They're in enough they're in enough glass tape <laughs> to keep me in boots. Yeah. Right? in this boot that's blown out. So I got to buy them and I'm not liking this guy at all. And as it turns out, it's Burke Miner and Vicky Miner who founded the Wildland Firefighter Foundation after seeing the response. At Storm King, yeah. So fast forward, I got nothing but love for Burke and Vicky. Don't get me wrong, yeah. Nothing but love, and Dina at the Foundation.
2: Oh, amazing! You
1: know, they helped just, me out. Yeah, they're great people, right? So yeah. they're they're the best. So, um. So now it's nineteen ninety four, and they, in their commissary, they design these T shirts.
0: Mrs. Burke and Vicky. Yep. Yeah.
1: And they're gonna raise money. Because they understand that some of these people were seasonals, right? Families. Yeah. And they're gonna they've been they've been uh, working commissary, making a living off firefighters and now they're gonna give back, right? So they raise a hundred thousand dollars on these T shirt sales. Jeez. Probably ten bucks at a time, right? It's a lot.
0: That's a lot of t shirts. It's a lot. Yeah. But this
1: was such a huge event. This is a nationwide event. This is a nationwide yeah. event. This is like this is exactly like um, you know, uh, man Gulch, it was that traumatic Yeah. for the Northern Rockies, especially for the Northern Rockies. And this happened in region two, you know, it happened in grand junction, Colorado, but it was big everywhere. So everywhere these guys went, they sold the t-shirts and they raised a hundred, hundred thousand dollars. And they, now they're like, well, who do we even give this to?
2: Yeah.
1: How do we give this to So they talked to, and I don't, I can't tell, I don't know which agency. And if I did, I probably wouldn't tell you anyway. <laughs> yeah. But they gave it to an agency, and they said, here's $100,000. Thank you. What an amazing gesture. Thank you. And then a year later, and I could understand why this would happen, because we're not set up to take donations, right? No. Come on.
0: There's no pathway for no, it. No, not even yeah. a
1: fire camp. You bring cookies in, people are like, I appreciate that. And it's like a hot potato.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: please don't pay me for this. You know, I don't, I don't need this. Right? Yeah, no, no. I appreciate it, right? Appreciate the thought.
0: Yeah, thank you.
1: We babe. don't take donations well. Yeah, because we're not at all set up for it. So anyway, she but goes back. Even
0: like, personally, right? right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like I got it. a guy
1: running a chipper wants to take me out to dinner. I'm like, yeah. no,
0: I no, I no, free coffee and like no. s- in Sedona. are like, we appreciate what you do. I'm like, no, I'm getting paid to do this. Right. Like, I, I can pay for my coffee. Thank right. you though.
1: Let's just go over the caterer. You get me some coffee. It's kind of a joke. We'll <laughs> sit down, have some dry eggs, and we'll talk. But yeah. No, we're not having a crab feed tonight. Yeah. It's your truck.
0: Yeah. Right. Exactly.
1: So anyway, they go back the next year, and they say, well. What's the status of the money? How much of that's gone out? And they say, "Well, actually, none of it went out." And as a matter of fact, there's X amount of dollars that we've been taking out of it for administrative action to do to try to figure out what to do with it. And she's standing there like, "What? Yeah, what are you talking about?" And again, not throw anybody under the bus. We just don't have a mechanism to do it. Yeah. So they decided right there to fo- to found the Wildland Firefighter Foundation right there.
0: That's awesome. I was always wondering.
1: That was it. Yeah. That's the origin story. And there may be more. But for me, what I remember talking to Vicky and Burke, that's why they that's why Vicky started yeah. it. Yeah. So now now flash forward a bit, I had some I'd had some uh brushes with the foundation with a few fatalities, uh between 94 and 2015 but not many yeah you know i was doing prevention work engine work on pretty quiet forests in the northern rockies you know so i wasn't on big incidents a few not too many so i wasn't around uh serious injuries fatalities i hadn't been touched by it in in quite a long time yeah and so um now we get to 2015 here in the Northern Rockies on Lolo, and um, things are really things have dramatically picked up every summer right from 2000 on it's every summer yeah and we got some serious injuries in 15 fatality in 2016 Justin Beebe coming out of Vermont Lolo Hot Shots he's a character hire for the shots yeah Uh, I never met I never met Justin, but I have I have now met and have completely fallen in love with his parents, his sister, Jessica. Just was I was just out there. Oh really? We maintained close ties with the family. Yeah. Because he was Justin was a character guy. He was a character hire. He just he was like a, a first year hotshot. Oh yeah. First year firefighter, and he's a hotshot. Oh really? Right? Because yeah. he came out west and he was wanted to be a hotshot. Yeah. He's probably read about it. I don't even think he had many friends that were doing it at all. Came off of a, of a maple syrup farm.
0: I was going to say, I saw the video of you opening up the box that his parents sent. Yeah. 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 That's, who, that's really cool.
1: So he comes out. He's armed with bottles of Vermont maple.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: and he's going around to hot shot soups. And he's asking them, you know, hey, I'd like a job. So he meets a new soup, fairly new soup, coming out of the Karkin and years of, you know, Steve Carkin and ran the Lolo Shots for years. Um,
0: La Roche then La
1: Roche and then it turns the mantle gets turned over to Fiella yeah. Sean Fiella and Fi is a total character guy yeah total character guy I never met a man more suited for his job than Sean Fiella yeah. in my life right so Fi hires a kid because he's a character guy he showed up face to face you know the handshake the whole nine yards and the yeah. syrup story right B- Brian
0: bribing <laughs> him with syrup yeah <laughs> you know like.
1: <laughs> so anyhow, so I, that's in you know in a very in a very tragic situation on the strawberry fire in Nevada, Justin is killed, and Phi is his family liaison. Oh man, so you know a little blue envelope with your personal information, right? yeah who do you want to notify your family? is one of the fields Phi Fi opens up the envelope and it's him. Oof. so he's going to call. So he can either do, he can do a couple of things. He can either call around and ask about what should I do? No, he just picks up the phone. He gets Betsy, his mom. Betsy is a, an amazing person. She, uh, ha- she has uh hospice training, grief training. Oh, she's probably, tr- she's probably working him on the phone call. Probably. Right? Yeah. Yeah. She-, she said to him, she's like, he he's straight up telling him what's happened. Right. Sacramento mm-hmm. shots were there to help retrieve him, get him off the field, and get Aww. him back. Right. So they're all there. And uh, she tells him, Hey, he was exactly where he wanted to be. Who, who else can say they died with their sisses and bros right around him? He yeah. was right where he wanted to be. Yeah. Right. Just this is amazing <sighs> reaction. Right. So That's I got much response. love for the BBs. They're incredible. Yeah. You know, Sheldon, Betsy. Jessica, yeah. So, so the the whole reason I'm even saying it, right, is because that's when I got started fundraising oh. for them because I saw what they were doing, what the foundation was doing, right. Yeah. And I just we want to pay him back. Yeah, we want to pay him back. Totally. You know, no drag around here, man. This is a, this is this is the this is region one. This is the Northern Rockies. We're gonna take care of our own. We wanna be there too. There's some things we cannot do as an agency, and yeah. you're doing it. Well, hey, the least I can do. Yeah. Is start some fundraising going on. We now have, you know, we've been doing the putt and pull. That's when we start we started in sixteen. Tyler Brothers actually, T bro.
2: Yeah, Bro had the
1: idea. Oh, really? He, he came to me.
2: Oh no. And way. he's like,
1: Hey, do you want to be on our team? Type three team. Tyler's gonna be the IC. You want to be some, you know, operations or something, right? You want to help us run logistics, whatever. For the foundation or for the putt and pull for the fundraiser. I mean, hundred percent of the proceeds going to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. Good cause. Can't think of a better one.
0: I'm I'm with you, man. I'm
1: like, you got it. So then T Bro, I love him, right? Yeah. T Bro, the next year he's like, hey, you know, I got kids, I got, I'm a little busy. Would you take it over? Absolutely. Yeah. And now this is now this is our seventh annual event. We've raised three hundred thousand dollars. Holy cow! All mostly from local people. Ninety-five percent. I know everybody. I know the where every twenty-dollar bill came from. Yeah. Average donations twenty bucks. Yeah, so that's a lot of, a lot but, of contacts. Yeah, training center. Right. I mm-hmm. see two thousand people a year over there, and just about every one of them gave me twenty-dollar bill yeah. for a raffle ticket and showed up at our event. Right? Yeah. So now coming full circle, T Bro's back. Yeah. He's coming back, back in. He's back in. He's gonna be. Uh, he's gonna be running the trap event out there. We do a. We do a trap event. Teams of five. We do a golf event. Teams of five. A scramble. Yeah. And the trap
0: event. Um, it's like an Annie Oakley. After we do it's an, eight, an right? Annie
1: Oakley, pretty fun. I've won it twice. Have you? Mister McEvers oh. is out there. Jeff McEvers. Yeah. You better bring it.
0: Yeah. Uh, he's he's your, he's your biggest com- biggest competition right now. <laughs> uh, he's tough. Yeah.
1: He's tough. He's steely. Yeah, he's you know, jack of all trades that, that McEvers. you know. He really is. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a couple other guys. I don't want to single out Jeff and put all the pressure on you, Jeff. I don't want to do that. But, no, I think we should though. You know. <laughs> uh it's a great event, you know, and uh if people are interested in it, they can they can uh they can hit up we, we got a brand new website thanks to Matt Jolly.
0: Oh awesome, thank you, Matt.
1: Matt, I mean, you talk about a guy that, that uh his only desire is to keep fatalities from happening. He's a, you know, he's a fire modeler, he's a he's a guru. He's the yeah. guy. And then he's the guy nationally, really. That's and, huge. And he built us a website, uh, MissoulaPuttAndPull.org. It's a great site, even I can say it. I yeah. even I can remember it. Yeah. And if people want to help, man, if you want to come on in, give me 20, give me 200, give me give me the moon. Come on over. We're yeah. having a good time. There'll be hundreds of firefighters that show up for this event. Yeah. We culminate the whole thing. You don't have to be a firefighter. You just got to care. You just got to want to help. A great group of people, an organization that pays out 88 some percent of what they take in, which is unheard of for a nonprofit. Yeah. Your money's well placed, your support's well placed. We'll be meeting now. We got some great partners at uh, Highlander Brewing, Missoula Brewing Company up there on North Reserve. Yeah. Show up April 22nd. It's a great party. It's really one of the only times that I get to see all my sisters and bros in one spot, one night, having fun. Yep. Right. We got to close down at like nine, so that's perfect for me being old. That's exactly me too, man. I'm in man. bed by ten.
0: Yeah, That's what I, I want to be.
1: <laughs> but you know, it's uh, there's there's it's a great event. People should come out if nothing else for that. I can tell you. The teams fill up fast, we do. We have already, I, I just announced the dates last week. Oh, yeah, I, gotta, and I, I got a today. 12. I got 12 out of 20 teams I can even put on a, oh, on really? a golf course are already signed up. So it's it fills up fast, Mr. Yeah, Barrett. You can't I gotta,
0: you snooze, you I lose. I'm sleeping out. Yeah, I'm right? right? doing a bunch of other stuff because I was going to do a lookout podcast team.
1: And the other one, the other one we got to talk about, you know, we're here at Glacier Ice Rink. Yes, sir. Down here. And on Saturday, February 4th, right about six o'clock i'll be emceeing the yeah. fire on ice hockey events
0: dude you do an amazing job by the way
1: well i you know i stand on the shoulders of giants right i get set up by the rogue swensons of the world Fyella's yeah. involved Yep, shannon vaughn jonah vaughn oh, shout out man. to jonah vaughn
0: yeah jonah shout out
1: man you know that dude he's teflon Whew, tough as nails like tough guy. as nails benji's down there hag yeah too many people to to count um and, all, you know, it's an interagency wildland urban interface off.
0: Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's so good, man. And the games are great. You know, like you're the JV game oh. and the varsity game. And, man, I uh, I had to take off early because of my daughter, you know, she was only like two months old and she made the, made the game last year. And uh, so, we, you know, when she started getting beyond her bedtime, you know, beyond tired by the second game. And I played in the first game. And uh, the first game, competitive, you know, we ended up beating him last year. And then the second game, holy cow, man, it was a battle. Was, I have a hard time leaving. You know, that's like that's some high-end hockey, you know.
1: Well, you know, I'll be on skates for about a half a second. So I cannot get out on that ice. I'm too top-heavy. I have zero <laughs> core. My wife's always telling me, use your core. Yeah. I don't have a core. Yeah. You know, it exists, but it's not helpful in any way. Yeah. But I can <laughs> tell can't. you, I can tell you that watching that over the years, you know the Randy Ocons of the world always had flash and dash. They were always real good, but from the Wildland Fire and Randy Ocon, he's a Wildland firefighter. He is Randy. Randy's career and my career paralleled. You know. Oh, gotcha. But those guys on on city and rural were good early on. Oh yeah. Better than the Wildlanders, right? Yeah. Well, they have flipped the script. Yeah. They have flipped the script. Rogue. I mean. You, Everybody, you know, Taylor Blakely is a is a hard guy to get a puck by. He right? is, man. Yeah, he really is. Um, it's probably the best thing he does uh, out of his profession. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, hockey goalie. All of a sudden, yeah. we get we're getting pucks past Taylor Blakely. On what? Like, what? What's going on? Yeah. So I get excited. I get excited over there. Oh, you can hear your voice. It's yeah. great, man. I and, don't need the microphone. No. I just yeah. It's a good
0: time. And yeah, and amazing how back and forth that game was. That's why it was so hard to leave. I was like, Oh man, you know, like I, I gotta get my daughter out of here so she can get some rest, but and and my wife, you know, but I was like, man, like it was just like goal, 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 like going back and forth for a while there. I was like, man. So here's
1: a funny story. We one year they got the silent auction items upstairs, right? Yeah. yeah. And I'm hey, and that's when it's a fundraiser. So I go upstairs and I where I shoot trap in league. Been doing it for a while, and uh, we have to have a new shooter in our league in order to stay in this handicap league that we win from time to time. And it's not the league where all the the old guys, the guys that miss once and throw their shotgun on the ground because their (laughs) season's ruined. Yeah, right. We stay in this novice league, and sometimes I got so I got to recruit a new shooter every year. So I need a shotgun. I need a shotgun because my new shooters are like, I've never shot before. Yeah, it's all right. Come on out. It's a fun time. Yeah. So I gotta get the. I gotta get a shotgun. So I'm. I see. I walk upstairs and I see, Browning shotgun knife. Excuse me. Browning knife shotgun package. Oh. And I look at it, and I don't know if you know Chad Pickering. He's mm-hmm. a dear friend of mine. He's also from Libby. He's got two boys and a girl, and they're great kids. Uh thanks to his wife, not thanks to Chad right They're gonna grow up great, <laughs> <Yeah>. smart, talented <laughs> yeah. thanks to Holly but yeah. so I tell these kids, listen, uh I gotta be down there on the microphone, but I want this, okay. I want you to come down and tell me every time some scurvy son of a gun <laughs> writes his name down there yeah. with a higher bid than mine, yes, sir, okay, so I walk downstairs. And, uh i'm gonna go i figure i can go about a thousand dollars on this because it's a browning shotgun yeah right it's american made so they come down cj it's at 400 450 okay cj it's at six seven great cj it's at eight
2: nine yeah
1: so i can't remember exactly what i paid for it but at the end of the fundraiser, I walk upstairs and everybody's shaking my hand. People are coming over to me.
2: <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm like, no problem. Yeah, it's a fundraiser. You yeah, know. no problem.
1: Here to get. No, really, amazing. Thank you. And I'm like, I walk over to the sheet and I see like 950, and I'm like, what's the big deal? I got a Browning shotgun and a knife for 950. So yeah, thanks to the guys at Big Sky Brewing, I got. I got some beers in me. Yeah. I go home and I go to bed. I get up in the morning. Now Sunday morning. I think I'm watching a it was the week I think it might have been the day of the uh AFC Championship game. Oh yeah. So I'm watching a game and my wife comes downstairs and I said, "Hey, hand me the hand daddy the shotgun." She <laughs> hates it when I cuz I don't <laughs> have, I don't have any children. <laughs> yeah. She's like, "Stop that." Yeah, yeah. I said, "Well, hand me that shotgun over there." And uh she picks it up and the I don't know what they call it. I'm not a big gun guy, but yeah. the little four-stock that's on the barrel. That hits, sounds right to me. Hits the ground, and it t- is a tink, 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 tink. Oh. It ain't wood. I'm like, no. what was that? She said, it's this four-stock. I said, bring that over here. Browning doesn't make plastic. I pick it up, and it's like weighs nothing. I'm like, oh. I look at the shotgun. It's tiny. And it's like, it doesn't say Browning on it. Oh. It says... It's got this kind of this flourish carved into the you know the into the metal, and it's like this duck scene. And it says Khan K A H N Khan. I'm thinking, this guy Khan. I wonder what he,
0: you know, Khan.
1: So I open it up. It's it's dirty. It's got oh no. It's got powder in the barrel. I look. It needs to be cleaned hard. Yeah. And I so I say to my wife. I say hey Google Khan shotgun. She goes, it's from Turkey. And can I cuss on this thing? Yeah, absolutely. She said, this first rating says, it's a piece of shit. <laughs> That's a good start. That's the first one. She goes <laughs> up the start. second one says, don't put this on your shoulder to pull the trigger.
0: Oh. <laughs> so, so you got some quality there. So I, what I, you're called,
1: I call my first call because I've been hornswoggled.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, it's a fundraiser, but that's why everybody's shaking my hand. Yeah. You just gave about $1,000 for a $150 shotgun that should just be put over the mantle. I was
0: going to say paperweight.
1: So I call Randy Ocon yeah. at 8.30 in the morning on Sunday. He's had as much Big Sky revelry as I've had.
2: Yeah, so he,
1: he's feeling great. And he picks up the phone, and he's... <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, he already knows?
1: So... As it, when I, t- I tell all my students, when you fail, shout it out from the highest mountaintop, right? Yeah. Because it's all going to get you where you got to go anyway. So I don't. Lessons. I tell that story a lot, and it's always fun. We we actually use that shotgun as a bit of a competition. There's several teams that we kind of quote unquote compete with in league, and the losing team, the team that scores the least amount in any given year in trap. On the first week of the next season, we put that con at the center station out there in trap, and whoever rotates through that station has to shoot with that little <laughs> piece of shit. God,
2: oh
0: man, oh brutal! I don't even heard of one. Like, you know, I grew oh. up in a hunting family, and my dad duck hunter and stuff. And you know, eight seventy, I think, was was hit one of his first shotguns I ever bought. You know, kind of the go to, and uh, I'd never even heard of it. Like the the cheapest and not to be mean but the cheapest shotgun that i've ever seen and, you, and i have one is a mossberg you know like the 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 pump is plastic and it's super loose <laughs> you know like it's a it makes a lot of noise when you rack it right. you know not supposed to <laughs> you know like uh but i'll probably be bringing that to the trap shoot so well, that's, <laughs> it's well all,
1: that's the one you want for home protection true right i've got a i don't know what you call it i got a break it breaks right oh you
0: yeah, like a yeah like just, a double barrel that just yeah yeah,
1: yeah it's a, yeah but uh if someone breaks into my house at 2 a.m., I want a shotgun that racks, yeah. like I'm going to have it by the bed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they're gonna,
1: they're going to hear me break a shotgun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, click. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, for me, like, re- like they'd hear me fall, right. <laughs> figure out where the heck it is, and then they finally start hearing something, like, try to get racked in, especially with the plastic. I'd be just messing it <laughs> I'm up. I'm a dead man. You know, someone wants to I'm a dead man. Same. Yeah. they just see me falling all over in my closet or somewhere and trying to get in the safe. And right.
1: Now, my wife has a pistol for you people with who i just rung the dinner bell to my wife does have a pistol so yeah
0: man and i don't know about you but like my wife is uh is a better shot i don't like to admit it and i don't you know you put out there in the public but man like i bought her a 40 you know and we went shooting and um and then i had my 10 mil was like the only thing i had on me at that time and i was like you know big 10 millimeter and i was like yeah you know feeling feeling good and it's it's not crazy recoil recoil so i couldn't really blame that and she's just like acing and we had like um you could do almost like a battleship. Have you ever seen those targets? Yeah. And so she's got hers and I got mine. And she's like nailing the battleship and I'm just like all over the board. And yeah. I'm like, ah. Oh, she she uh, still lets me know lets me hear it. My wife grew up,
1: her father's Jim. Jim, you know. He's a strong personality, ex military, <laughs> served his country, Vietnam. Oh uh he was in uh Idaho National Guard, very serious man. Yeah. Great man. Funny, but serious, especially when I'm coming around. I'm dating his daughter, right? I won't tell the story of the of how I asked him if uh, I could uh, ask her. I wanted his blessing. Yeah, you know, I'm a kind of an old school guy that way. I'm only going to hopefully do this one time.
2: Yeah, totally. Right?
1: And uh, anyway, she grew up shooting with Jim. Jim's a pistol shooter. She, he shoots. He shoots anything. A lot, right? A big target shooter, great shooter, great techniques. Yeah. So my wife has a thirty eight that her dad gave her. Right about the time we got married, ostensibly for home <laughs> protection. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So it, and he he Just made a big deal of it. I'm giving Rachel the, this thirty eight.
0: letting you this know. Long oh. stare. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, yeah. What's yeah. your p's and q's? Right, okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: So. We 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 take this thing out, and we got. I have a little family cabin, um, in Northwest Montana, Bull Lake up there by Troy. Yeah. you know, and we got this little. There's a little highway department place we can go shoot. We set up some cans, you know. Yeah, beautiful area, ten yards something. And I got this 38 with Jim's loads. Oh, and oh. so I take it out there, and I did not grow up a shooter. Matter of fact, the first time my dad took me hunting. I purposefully shot over the top of the deer so I could say I can't do this. Can we please go home? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> and so I did not grow up an avid yeah. shooter at all, right?
0: Good, ta- um, good tactic though, you know. Yeah, like, right. I missed. I can't. I can't seem to make this thing work. Oh, I you was know?
1: terrible. I was. I was so. I was a challenging kid. Let's just say it that way. Yeah. So, uh, um, anyway, I'm trying to shoot these cans, these Coke cans, and I can't hit anything i get 10 feet can't hit it and i'm like did your father load blanks into this gun (laughs) yeah and she grabs it and starts tanging them off nothing wrong with the gun smiley oh you know it's aptitude this is
0: aptitude you got it you got an eye problem (laughs) like i I need some glasses Like those first loads we're not we're not live rounds here (laughs) you know like yeah oh man yeah it's it's tough. I like you know they say two like females have the fine motor, you know, uh, like better dexterity in the fine motor, so like their trigger pulls right. uh, smoother. Which I mean, I guess I feel like I'm living proof of. In...
1: Wow, listen, women do everything better than men. If I had a crew of twenty women, I'd go invade Canada right now. Yeah, I would. You know, Wh- uh, women firefighters, they often don't come with the same bad habits that yeah. their male counterparts do. They pay attention. They change their behavior. They do what they say they're gonna do. True. They don't have another some other agenda. Not. I don't wanna. I don't create a broad swath by gender, but in my career, overall, give me twenty women and a fire crew, and we're gonna make some hay, dude. Yeah. We're gonna make some hay.
0: And as you know, living with your wife, you know, and and me living with mine, like that. And and I remember in anatomy, maybe in high school, they talked about how like men chemically or whatever, genetically can't multitask. You know, it's just we're like, we can fake it kind of, but women can actually do two things at once and have their brain work on two things at once. That's right. And then once you live with a female, you're like, oh, yeah, here it is. And I, yeah, I just... And you can see the frustration too. Yeah. Like, she's like right. what you know? She's taking all these tasks, and I'm still like poking away at whatever I'm trying to do at the house. And she's like, "What? What are you doing over here?" Like, yeah,
1: you know, it's the ego thing too, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know many women with an ego. I know a oh, lot of guys with an ego. True. You know. Yeah. And I yeah. So, I mean, the the one of the best firefighters I ever had. There are two of them. Um, Mabel Bido went on up on the Kootenai just tough as nails take a big dip she took a big chew dip yeah boy um throw a Pulaski. you know i mean she was she was a motor and jenis erickson jenis erickson both of them worked on the kootenai with me yeah those two
0: yeah well then those those kootenai gals too man one of one of my best buddies is married to another one of my good friends who's tina McClendon from the kootenai Mm -hmm. and she's just this tiny little Barely weighs over 100 pounds, but can run a saw all day, like a 44, yeah. like a big saw, and throw in a horseshoe of a dip and then just make all the dudes you know feel less about oh, themselves. Right. You know, you're like, holy cow. Yeah, absolutely. And then you know, she will come by, as you're like, trying to work over like some bare grass or a stump, and she like, be like, uh, you know, why don't you hit it with your purse or something? Right. You know, like, you're <laughs> you like, take a swipe at that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I want you to push your purse down and really hit that thing. And I'm like,
1: you know <sighs> the term golden spike.
0: Like from the railroad, right?
1: Well, the golden spike on Fireline. Oh, maybe not. So this is an old thing that came up. Maybe it's maybe it's gone. I don't know. I hope it's not gone. Maybe we'll resurrect it right here. Yeah, let's do it. So you get a young firefighter on the line, digging line. You know, for hours, maybe right. Maybe you gotta. Maybe your your line even got compromised. You gotta go rebuild. But you're digging that. I a day two, day three. Yeah, I mean by day five and six, maybe you're not pounding much ground anymore.
0: Yeah. But
1: there's those nights where it's two a.m. We're going to stay out here a little bit longer, whatever, right? And so you're about to accomplish your line. You're about to bring the flanks in, and there's a little bit left. And the golden spike is reserved for the individual, either the rookie you want to prop up or for the person who's been the most positive attitude, right? But what you do is you carve out very carefully a strip, like a soul patch in the line. Yeah, it's There's one picked. more take yeah. and it's one swipe. It's one stroke. This needs to come out cleanly with a Pulaski with one stroke. Ah. And you get it, rookie. yeah you get the golden spike. And I would advise you to go sharpen that tool real good because you're gonna get one shot at this. Yeah And that was a golden spike. We used to do that and I don't know where that where that started but we were religious about it when we had to put line in and we we taught our young kids right away our rookies up there even on a single tree you know we were yeah. we were we were the kind of crew the, the kind of forest at that point where we were you know we were cheesing on it we were having a good time yeah. about our fire line to the point where we'd try to put fire line around where the snag's going to be when I drop it
0: oh really and yeah. drop it in that line's confidence there absolutely yeah. right
1: and uh so the golden spike we gotta reintroduce the yeah. golden spike to the new generation. Save the golden spike. Make a big deal out of it. Yeah. It does not have to be a you know not to be something fancy. You will watch people you'll you'll have the best edge. On that hoe you've ever had in your life, <laughs> yeah,
0: because most people just kind of neglect that side, you know. The pretty pre- side is the oxide, side, you know. No, yeah, you got to get uh, it. Makes sense, and like you said, those little things are really what what uh, kind of builds the chemistry and and keeps the spirits at the morale boosters, you know. Like,
1: yeah, retain retain or uh, retention and recruitment. Yeah, right. That's what it's all about. Totally, you know, it's tough. I was twelve, like I say, twelve years. I was a seasonal out of my choice.
2: Same, right, kind of.
1: (laughs) And I was in a different frame of mind back then. I think of the opportunity lost when, in 1996, Dick Rath, over on the Gallatin National Forest, before it was a Custer Gallatin, sat me down as a GS-5-1039 and said, do you want to be, do you want a tour? I'll get you a job right now. And I'm like, no, Dick, I'm going to go in the teach, and I appreciate that. And I didn't get my permanent uh, position until two thousand two, which would have been what twelve fourteen years after I started in wildland fire It's fourteen years of not having the power of accrued interest yeah right of of, of compounding interest yeah and in savings all those years so
0: i'm in I'm in the same boat it was the same deal'cause yeah. it wasn't perm fives were weren't a thing, and people weren't leaving the sixes you well, let know? me tell
1: you let me let another story, <laughs> yeah, all right. So I got a crew boss class, S230. DNRC is the lead. It was uh, Nickel Isaac, I believe, was my lead instructor. And somebody asked me about their TSP, their Thrift Savings Plan. Yeah. What do you do? What do you have? What do you select? What what uh, what account do you select? Yeah. And I told him, And they said, well, they, As the conversation went on, as I was talking about matching funds, they were they didn't understand what I was talking about. Yeah. Because the government will match. Right? There's an automatic one percent. The government will match up to I believe it's three percent. But you gotta put in yeah for the match. And he's not giving me any indication that he knows that he's understanding what this match is. So I said, Come here, man. We're gonna go to the whiteboard for a minute And his eyes are popping open. And he's been in it six years and he's contributed
2: nothing oh no he
1: says the government's putting in four i'm like no they're not and i didn't blame him yeah i'm like who supervises you who's in charge of you
0: yeah because that's who that's the who info. i want to
1: talk to right now yeah before we do anything else and it, so so we that in that session i said well we're going to start something new here we're going to start lunch with cj Oh. And if you want to come in here at lunch, we're going to talk about the power of compounding interest. Yeah. And we're going to talk about financial planning. We're going to talk about this stuff, having a financial conversation with your partner. We're going to talk about this stuff.
2: Yeah, smart. Right? Yeah.
1: And I thought, I thought a couple people were going to be there. They were all there. Oh, really? Pens out, daggers out. Yeah. What are we doing? What do we got going? And so so here's, here's why I was telling that story is – There is, and I'm glad we have a chance to talk about that. I'm glad this came to the forefront of my mind. We have the employee assistance program in the federal agencies. Someone you can call if you're having a bad day, a bad streak, right? You don't feel like your life is worth much. You don't feel like there's a lot of hope, right? Some people, well, there's an EAP phone number. Some people throw that out. They're like, sure it is. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. I appreciate that. And I know mm. it's underused because I've seen the numbers of the numbers of employees we have and the numbers of people who call. It's not a hard calculus to put the two and two together that people aren't using it the way they should. Yeah. However, on the same with the same contractor, you can get financial counseling. Mm. You can get legal advice at no cost to you.
0: I didn't, I think I knew about the legal, but I didn't think I know knew about the financial.
1: So yeah. So I, so I call I'm, about about two of these CJ lunch sessions in, <laughs> yeah. somebody says, "Hey, what are you fiduciary?" I'm like, "No, but I stayed at a Holiday Inn." They're like, <laughs> yeah. hey, "Well, listen, no, you may not want to be known for the guy that's be that's giving legal advice. Maybe you give the wrong advice, oh. or the right financial advice. Maybe you give the wrong advice." I'm like, "Okay, touche." Yeah, because I know what I like to do, but you know, who am I? Yeah. So I call EAP. And I call them fairly regularly for never own a cabin with other people, right? <laughs> yeah. So I got to know from a legal standpoint, what's my exposure here if one of my uncles goes rogue
2: yeah. and tries
1: to sell this place, right, or whatever. Oh, yeah. So I get this free legal advice from EAP, an EAP counselor. He puts me in touch with the local attorney who, who is in – and I get – Three free sessions of a half an hour with an attorney.
0: Oh, that's awesome. It that
1: would normally cost you X amount of hundreds of dollars, right?
0: Yeah, an hour or whatever. Correct. Mm-hmm.
1: So um, I call him up and I say, do you guys go on the road? Well, sure. You got to pay for it. I'm like, how much? Oh, it's about $180 for a two-day session to have a financial counselor come down and talk to any number of people you want.
0: Cool.
1: I said, Great. What are you doing next week?
0: Yeah, can I book you?
1: And we did. Yeah, we booked them, and we said, okay, we we, we announced it to the forest. We said, hey, these are the twenty classes, twenty one hour classes that they that they put on. How to talk to your spouse about creating a budget or having a financial discussion? How do you pay off a house as a young family? How do you go to save to go to school? How do yeah. you run get a get a credit score and buy? We get in retirement planning. Yeah, smart. Right, all these classes, and we put out a little poll. So, what do you want to What do you want to learn about? And we made a uh, seminar out of it. People could sign up and come down, and it was packed. Every session was packed. Uh, And at at the end of the reason I'm saying this is because, yeah, it's good to get financial advice and it's good to get legal advice, but you need a lot of everybody could use a little mental health in their life 100
0: percent, right yeah
1: you get you get down a path we're creatures of habit right you get down the wrong rabbit hole yeah or you get with a you get with maybe a wrong crowd or you pick up some really destructive habits or maybe you're just a good person and you get laid off every year and you start to get tired of it yeah like i did yeah and you start to get down and you're alone now in the winter yeah you're not broken you're reacting exactly the way you ought to be reacting as a healthy human being. Yeah. These are stressors, these are real deals. Yeah. These aren't fabricated and fake and you are not broken. Yeah. You are not flawed. You're having if you weren't having this reaction, I'd be concerned about what alien race dropped you off here.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you yeah, kinda of numb to that, those stressors, exactly. you know.
1: Exactly. So at the end of all these sessions with EAP, I said, Did you guys get a lot out of that? Yes, sir. Yeah. We sure did. Great. You know what else these guys do? Right? Call the number. Yeah. Call the number. You like the free advice you just got? You might get some free advice at the time you might need it. That's yeah. Maybe before you need it. You don't gotta be broken. You don't gotta be having a bad day to call somebody to talk about your mental
0: health. And right? Especially this time of year. You know, like uh the other day at work they were just talking you know, just talking to folks and we're all just, you know, around the water cooler. You know, per se, and it's uh, just, like, seasonal depression stuff. And Absolutely. talking, and most of it was, like, from one someone's spouse. It was like, like, man, I've just been, man, not even, like, feeling down, but just like, man, I've had low energy. It's like, well, when's the last time you saw the sun? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, there's that. And, and then with the fire, I think it compounds. I mean, everyone feels it, so maybe it's maybe it's just me thinking it compounds in the fire world, but it feels like it does. And, and I talked about this a few episodes ago with a hotshot who was, like, you go 100 miles an hour, told where to be, when to be, what to eat—pretty much, you know, all summer long with the hotshot crew. And then all of a sudden, you're cut loose. And if you don't have a hobby to fall back onto, and like you said, all financial stresses and all this stuff starts all of a sudden is at your doorstep like overnight. And it's like all this real world stuff hits you where it's you're kind of insulated when you're, especially in a crew, you know, because you're not worrying, really worried about anything financial. You just like show up and do the job, and 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 you're with this awesome group of people. Typically, you know, like girls and get ga- girls and gals, guys and gals that are just like. Some of the funniest, most outgoing folks ever. And then you get separated from them, you know, because you're not showing up at the same place to see them every day and everyone else kind of, you know, scatters. Typical firefighter stuff, you know.
1: Yeah, which is entirely normal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the reaction you have to that is all normal. Mm-hmm.
0: It's, you know. Yeah. So It's almost like a breakup or something,
2: you
1: yeah. know. You're like, oh. You know, I have read uh, we have, um, we, are, we are experiencing right now, as you know, uh, and a lot of emergency service employees and public employees are killing themselves. Yeah. Right. And at military, people who serve, right, we're public service. That's what we are, yeah. foundationally, right? And I don't know what gets any individual to that point, but I do know that there is no hope for the future there in their mind. Mm-hmm. Right. There's no, they, they are, the world is better off for whatever reason with me leaving it.
2: Yeah.
1: I've even seen. Uh, a note from an individual who committed suicide on the day of his wife's birthday left an upbeat note to say, we'll be taken care of financially. My pension will transfer to you. It was an upbeat note. she was reading this in a, a, we have a class called you will not stand alone. And we asked people to share their stories, you know, Betsy Beebe, the story of of Betsy Beebe and Sean Fiella calling Betsy on the day of her son's death was presented at the uh, uh, a hotel here in Missoula during a You Will Not Stand Alone session, oh, really? a very powerful session, That's right? Powerful. To turn the light on a subject that people would feel uncomfortable with, for whatever reason, yeah. we're going to shine the light on discomfort, yeah. right? Because your discomfort that you're feeling is a normal reaction. Yeah. Most people don't want to get help because they feel they're not worth it. I'm broken anyway. What's the point? Mm-hmm. right well if you realize that what you're experiencing is actually quite normal that seasonal affective disorder is quite normal yeah and your reaction is too well then maybe if you can talk about it if you can if you can just take an initial step right maybe it's a phone call and it's not something that can be fixed in one session no you know it takes time yep but the thing is nobody's broken about it yeah this is it this is, it just, this is like you stub your toe, your toe hurts. Yeah. Right? Yep. It's, there's, it's nothing, it's nothing, uh, there's nothing different. And I agree with you just when you say it can be augmented in a wildland fire service or a first responding because yeah. we are, we're the solution to this problem when we show up on an incident, right? Yeah. That's what I tell when people, I give people, I, I, I'm a, a operations section chief and i operate on a type one team and i'm in over my head most times i'll be quite honest <laughs> yeah. there's a reason i was in training mr barrett because that yeah. old saying about those who can't do teach has a kernel of truth <laughs> yeah right so when i show up to these very large incidents we were we were on one uh, a couple of years ago that was in two states five counties like I don't know how many people evacuated, towns destroyed. I'm driving through destroyed towns in Oregon oh, to get there. And I'm brutal. like, I'm driving through this to get to mine. Yeah,
0: it's getting worse.
1: So um, I show up, and I usually let people, I use when they're briefing me, I appreciate their briefings. I do. Yeah. I, abree- I appreciate everybody who is on the Type 3 organization or whatever telling me everything they did. I appreciate it. I appreciate the county commissioner telling me everything's gone to hell. <laughs> I appreciate... Uh, The district ranger who tells me, please don't fry my relationships around here with what you do. I appreciate all that. Yeah, yeah. And I know it's a bad situation. And I know that you're going to want to try to guide me all the way through this incident and tell me this and tell me to do that and tell me this. And I will simply tell people when I walk in, I say, I only want to know one thing, Mr. Barron. I say, right now, all I need to know is what are your values at risk, and where have your fires burned here in the last five years? Because I won't have to pay attention to that flank as carefully. Yeah, yeah, that's be really less all fuel I need and, from you right now. And then I yeah. need a flight. Yeah, right. Take a, take a look at things, and, and I see. appreciate it. Can we end this meeting? Yeah, it's it's midnight. We I have to start this at five thirty. Yeah, I gotta go.
0: Well, and you know that time of the night too, like just the way human brains are getting tired, so you start kind of looping a little bit, even though they're they're trying to give you more information, and it's but you're still kind of getting this almost a repeater treatment, and then, you, like you said, until you can get some eyes on it, like I I hear what you're saying, but I really got to get my eyes on it to see what's actually happening out there. There is you know?
1: nothing worse in our in in what we do than every night driving away from a community that's threatened, because we got to go sleep. Right? Yeah. There's two engines, maybe, that are going to be out there for night shift if I can spare them. And I'm driving away from a community. I'm driving away from a community outside of Sacramento. They're like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm not a robot. Yeah, yeah exactly. I got to go. Yeah. What, what, what are we going to do? Take care of your stuff. I would advise you to evacuate. I hope your house has defensible space, man. Yeah. There's nothing else I can do for you. And that is the worst feeling, driving away from that every single night. It's got to end
0: gotta wear on you it's gotta
1: end it does wear on you a little bit right yeah so like you say when we go back to you think it might be augmented in wildland fire i'm 100 percent agree with you i've never been i was on a hotshot crew once on the lewis and clark because it was a developmental crew at the time i don't know if we're still considering it a developmental crew yeah but they would take guys like me not in shape I swing at Blasky for 20 minutes. I feel like I've accomplished a lifetime.
0: That's how it feel can right I know, now. Oh my yeah. God, can I please <laughs> have the saw. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Can I swamp for somebody? Yeah. This is murder. You people are crazy.
0: You yeah. know? My hands be bleeding right now, you know.
1: You go from 90 miles an hour to zero? Yeah. yeah. What do you say, man, it is not it ain't easy. It is not easy. It's quite it's unnatural. It,
0: it really right? Yeah, <laughs> it really is. It, it, it is. Yeah, and then and then uh too, on the chemical level like we're, you know, creatures that run on vitamin D and sun, through sunlight. And, you know, the, so the season is usually, the reason why is the days are getting shorter, you know, getting rain, getting more overcast days, usually is typically when the season ends. So it's like, not only are you also, like, getting cut from your, your team, your wolf pack, but then, uh, you're not getting any more sunlight to, like, help augment, like, your feelings. And if you, if you don't take a trip or something. So, like, everything is, you know, it's like kind of almost like the dying time of year in fall, too, you know, like, leaves are falling off and, you know, the change, but, yeah. Yeah, so it's a tough time of year, you and, know. And
1: you throw in, I believe, I'm I'm am I'm, I'm a little bit old school. I get on Facebook once a year to say thank you to the five people that wish me happy birthday. Yeah, right. Which is fine. Yeah. Um, I prefer my interactions to be face to face. I'm not a phone guy. Anybody that knows me knows that you call my phone, it's probably going to go to voicemail, unless I know you really well, and I'm I'm a I'm a, I don't like to I'm not tooting my own horn but I'm a very busy individual
0: you are you're one of the busy people I know and
1: so, so I'm gonna take the message and I'm gonna get back to you right now but I'm gonna compartmentalize you right now yeah I'll take your message and I will get back to you and I will help you yeah but right now Proof. so people always get it always goes to your voicemail so it's intentional I'll tell you why I tell them the same thing don't feel slighted by that don't feel like I'm downgrading my relationship with you but right now, this is the way I run my life. This is how it runs. Yeah. This is what I do. I got a lot of irons in a lot of pots of my own volition and choosing. Absolutely. Uh, but just don't take offense to it is what I tell people. Right. Yeah. So, um,
0: that's a good tool though. Like to say that because I've, I've experienced that in my own life now. Um, you know, family or whoever might be calling, but I've, I've got this. I've got work. I've got a family, you know. like, especially with a with a baby, you know, it's like there's a lot going on, and I don't want to like sacrifice any time with her, you know. Like when she takes a nap, I'll call you back, you know. But when she's awake, you know, she's getting my, my all my attention, you know. So, um, but I felt bad about it. I felt guilty about it, you know, like doing the voicemail thing. Yeah. So hearing that helps me out, I guess. So hopefully that helps other people out too, yeah. you know.
1: And so the the last thing I would say, the last thing that your that con- your comment drove in me about. Uh, being you know detached from your agency, and I tell you what, detached—that's a euphemism, right? When you're a seasonal employee, you are no longer a federal employee, right? Yeah. And for that time, you're 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 laid off laid
0: essentially. Off. Yeah, no right? no yeah no tether really to the agency and right no r- real no way to r-
1: run a railroad right. When I was a when my my nieces and nephews, I don't have any children. Your daughter will probably change her career multiple times yeah if you told me next month you're fired and you need to go another career i wouldn't sleep i'm a one career guy yeah i am i've happened to find one that i enjoy because my dad did it and i admire my dad and i saw those people that family brought me in i get it i i chew i i bleed green yeah you're not going to find a bigger advocate for a somewhat flawed agency right it's got Mm -hmm. flaws and and their own peccadillos. Yeah. Uh, but you're not going to find a stronger advocate for what we do because I know how to make it so. Yep. I know how to run my business in the federal government to be positive, to be a positive force for change and a steward to the landscape. Yeah. And I also know that I don't have to spend any more time than I absolutely have to on an initiative that does not further that outcome. Yeah. Right?
0: Knowing that, having that boundary.
1: Right. Some people call that a deep state, (laughs) right, that I'm the deep state. I'm just a man doing his job. Yeah. Okay? You call me the deep state if you want. Is it hard to move me? Am I like an aircraft carrier when I say me, the the agency? Yeah. Yeah, a bit. Maybe that's good. Yeah. Right? For a new administration that might come in every four years, maybe it's good to have a little bit of continuity for the U.S. taxpayer.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah.
1: And not not, uh, blow with the wind. Of the next uh, eight, uh, the next administration that comes through. All due respect. Yeah, right.
0: But it makes sense because, like, for you know, right now we're, we're building the workforce, right? We're hiring positions that either haven't existed or haven't been filled in forever. At least we're trying to right now. And you know, I was talking to T-Bro about that just yesterday, and and it's like so get our feet underneath us with that these positions are still getting their feet underneath them and then when we finally get to a point where it can move where the agency can move and do like these big fuels reduction uh, projects and stuff working with the wild turkey foundation or federation um and then all of a sudden like you said a, a new um uh a new political person gets in the office like right now or you know got a democrat also a, a republican comes in whatever happens and decides like. They don't like the direction or the, the funding gets pulled out. And all of a sudden, like, we haven't even, we got these projects and we get it all ready. All the, all the people are in order, you know, like, everything's ready and set to, to attack. And then all of a sudden, it gets, the, the carpet gets pulled out, you know. Yeah.
1: So it's up to the agency and leadership to lessen the impact of that transition, mm-hmm. right? That's their Absolutely, job. Yeah. That's what a supervisor's job is is to lessen the impact of a changing tide on their workforce. Yeah. To try to keep their workforce moving in the direction they know they need to be going, despite the slings and arrows of some new policy initiative, uh, some innovation with all the best of intentions, right? In yeah. many cases, sometimes not. Yeah. Uh, but that's what, a, that's what a supervisor's job is, and that's what an agency's job is, is to understand what Gifford Pinchot said all those years ago, What the intent of our agency is, and that's taking care of public lands for present and future generations to make sure it's productive, it's healthy, and resilient, despite the turns and twists, the barriers. There's always an opportunity, right? Yeah. It may be a little further from your grasp right now, but that's where we all got to go. Yeah. And that's what we all got to do. And I will say that I will go one more. I come from a community where the federal government is an, is the F word. Yeah, it God.
0: is. There's a few I folks from my hometown, too.
1: My, my great great grandfather was Julius Niels, and he owned and operated a lumber mill in Libby for a long time. Yeah. They sold out, they, they bought it in the teens after they had logged over uh, Minnesota. Oh. They had to leave because they logged themselves out of a job. Oh, gotcha. And they knew it right yeah so they came over to northwest montana they see this is a tremendous place for growing trees there ain't a place that grows trees outside of the southeast u.s i'm sorry you big ringers down there (laughs) yeah i can't i can use that maybe for bad stud lumber you want good beams you want good wood you want the white pine that built the west yeah come up here bad ringers right what's bad ringers Big ringers. Oh, so, big ringers. Oh, big You rings. know, they got the growth rings that are... Oh, yeah, yeah. That The tree isn't strong. Yeah. It grows fast, right? But it's pulp.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right? You got a thick ring. Yeah, yeah. I get yeah. your saying, yeah. These big ringers. Yeah, I like that.
1: Because they always talk about the board feet that they produce. Well, sure. Yeah. You're chipping. Mm-hmm. You're producing chips. No offense Ma- to them, right? Making your paper. So, but a little <laughs> offense. <laughs> yeah, right? a little bit, yeah. So, but my Take point that. is, right, I'm up there. I'm a lamb in the wilderness, right? I'm the... Forest Service guy who walks into the meeting of all these guys that knew my great granddad, my granddad who ran the plywood plant, old school guys who were politically compassionate conservatives. There was a fellow by the name of Jack Kemp back in the day, never really got a start, never really got a foothold in U.S. politics, but he believed that every citizen ought to have an opportunity, right? Yeah. And that government. Uh, should be limited. You should protect your citizens with a military, right? You should protect your citizens and help your citizens up with a natural disaster. You should collect taxes to do that, but you shouldn't get overboard. Yeah, right. There's certain things you shouldn't do. They weren't big fans of things like the Department of Education. They weren't big fans of the Department of Labor, but they certainly weren't. Uh, they weren't burn it all down. Yeah. Right. And some of that politics has made its way into Idaho, Montana, Oregon. And I don't, I have, I have respect for anybody's political perspective. Yeah. You're free to live your life. Yeah. Part of the freedom, right? Yeah. Absolutely. But on the point of funding, right? Our funding, I'm speaking specifically to. National Forest System Land Funding. I can't speak for other agencies, but it's about the same. Yeah. I tell people in the community, you say, you're wasting my money, you're a waste of money. I say, where do you think the money has gone? It's gone into this community. It's sent your kids to school. Yeah. It's got them to college. It's got them, the money that I take in my budget, where do you think it goes? Yeah I don't keep it As a matter of fact If I don't spend it It goes back to the U.S. Treasury
0: Yeah Right And they gets thrown somewhere else It
1: goes into this community Yeah That's where it's going Your hard-earned tax dollars And I believe you, me I pay taxes too Yeah We all pay taxes We should pay taxes We should contribute And if there is a deduction you can take Take it Yeah But to me If you do something screwy in your taxes And you're hiding your money Shame on you Yeah, I agree Shame on you Yeah Right that is, not, that is not a something to be touted as I am so smart and clever. To me, you're not pulling your own weight. Yeah. And that is a compassionate conservative. That's what I am. Yeah. Right? So everybody's going to get an opportunity, and I'll be damned if I'm going to stand in somebody's way, anybody's way. Yeah. I, I, that is not – that ain't happening. Yeah. I am going to be there to provide a hand up should one be asked for period yeah right that's my job to those who have much much is expected that came from a democratic president
2: yeah
0: right um yeah, that's a good line it know? is yeah like because typically those people have much you know have good resources maybe they a little higher iq possibly whatever it might be that got them to where they're at so they have more more to give i guess would be a kind of way to say like um Someone super intelligent like howard hughes or something you know who could build the spruce goose mm-hmm. you know it's like elon musk all these big brains it's like you you have a lot to expect out of those because they can they can do it you know mm-hmm. i don't okay. know if that's along the lines of what you're saying It just What's kind of exactly. where my brain went yeah that's
1: precisely what i'm saying right yeah it ain't about hoarding it yeah gathering me and mine that ain't it if that's it if that's the goal we'll start carving it out now yeah start building your wall yeah. You know, and maybe someday late in your life when you're trying to take account and stock of everything and you maybe got two or three people who are looking at the money that you saved and they're trying to get it out of you because you're now dying. If that's the if that's the measure of your life, I'm sorry for you. Yeah, me too. I'm sorry for you at that time, because I understand how perspective changes as you get older. I'm getting an inkling of that. Right. Yeah. What is the measure of your life? Is it what you manage to stack up in your backyard?
0: Yeah. I highly doubt it. No.
1: I highly doubt it.
0: Yeah, it's the stories. It's how people remember you, and, y- you know, like, for you, too, and I meant to start this off with this, and um, you can see that this compassion comes out even the way you teach. You know, the fir- like I said, the first class, and I meant to say this when we were talking about the first class I took from you, I come in, and, and you have, like, you said, like, the all-star cadre. Like, I, I think Fiella might have been teaching, and, uh, Zenner, you know, was, was helping out too. And so all these, like, studs that are just great, great instructors and have walked the walk and can talk the talk. And thoughtful, empathetic. And, yep, right? and understand, you know, especially a little district guy like me from small town Whitehall, you know, like, haven't been on too many big fires at this point. So I'm like, oh, man, I'm in over my head, like you were saying earlier. But, like, the, the, as soon as everyone gets in the class, you have a pretty good intro, you have a really good intro, and gets everybody kind of bought in a little bit, and then you're like, here's my number, Make sure you get your phones out, put, put my number on your phone, you need anything you know, call me first. What it's tonight, like you're in jail or whatever, whatever happens, make me sure I'm your first phone call, and we'll figure something out. Right.
1: I'm not going to come bust you out of jail. Yeah. At least I don't. I don't have to count for you tomorrow. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now yeah. You, now you tell that that jailer behind you that I need to call my wife now. For mail, yeah. Ex- yeah. Exactly.
0: Right? Yeah. Right? I can call somebody else and get me. But back. I,
1: Yeah. And I appreciate that. Yeah. That's exactly the message that I wanted to send.
0: It comes across, you know.
1: Because I want again, I want every, I want to give everyone in that room and everyone that I've ever worked around the same opportunity to do what I did because it is fulfilling yeah. what I'm doing. How many careers can you look back on and say as you drive up through, I can drive through most valleys in the western United States, and I've been in them, yeah. right? And I had some impact in those, and that's it. There was no ulterior motive other than that. Yeah, yeah and how many how many careers can you say that i have not i have never screwed someone over financially yeah i've never put someone else's or put my own interest in front of someone else's in a transaction not one time yeah right and i hey listen if you made your money in the private industry fine good on you yeah. right what'd you do with it
0: that's just, yeah that's a question right what'd you do with it
1: I tell yeah. you what I make. I will never make six figures in an annual salary. Maybe, yeah. maybe. And I understand that. Could I be in the private sector somewhere? I went to law school for about. Yeah. Uh, I went, yeah, I went to U of M. Oh really? To A, actually, I should I should take that back. I went to a. I, my grades were not good. I got two valedictorian brothers. Oh, and I was not.
0: No, yeah. I left
1: my left Montana State University my first my first year with a one two five GPA. It's kind of how I started out too. Yeah, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, Same. So um, I get into this. They wanted to they wanted to have a runoff to get uh, in state students into law school because oh. they were taking a lot of out of state students and they wanted to say this, you know, hey, this is a land grant institution, by the way. Yeah. So we got to get some Montana kids in here. And uh in that in a very cutthroat environment in law school, at least in the first year, it's all I can speak to, is you you read cases, you discuss the the law, and then there's a case law, right? So there's the law as it was written, this is illegal, this is illegal, but then there's case law. So you clarify, well, mm-hmm. there's some exceptions over here. This is how it was adjudicated in this case. So you have oh. to know the appropriate case law, not just the law, right? It's not good enough to just be reading the U.S. Code or the Montana Code annotated. Yeah. You have to understand how it's been adjudicated in the court. <sighs>
0: so, so many right? layers and not, just, bla- layers. not just black a and white. information. Yeah. That's just
1: a class. you got to do it for multiple classes, right? Oof. Yeah. So it's it's you have to read these cases. And there's not enough time in the world for any one person to do that effectively, right? Yeah. You got to team up. And so this is what happened. We were I had a I had I hosted a Sunday afternoon pizza party where we would all come together, all the Montana a lot of them, 8 8 or 9. Yeah. And I would read two cases, you'd read two and we present to each other. You know, cuz in my opinion, the best way to and well it's not my opinion, this is scientific fact. If you want to know something the best, the best way to know it is to learn it well enough to teach it. Yeah. Once absolutely. you teach it, that's it. Yeah. That's the pinnacle. It really is. And that's scientifically proven. Yeah. So the it, this was working for a while. It was working for a couple of weeks. And all of a sudden, these guys would come over and they'd say, you know, I really didn't have time to read that. I'm sorry. Oh. I have nothing to contribute. And I'd appreciate that, right? But when we get into class, and when the professor's asking the questions in a very heated environment, right, Want to know if you've done your work. Because I don't have time for not people who do not, right? Yeah. You were going to separate the wheat from the chaff very quickly in that kind of pressurized instructional environment. Yeah. And the guys that looked me in the eye on Sunday and tell me they hadn't read it were spouting off the right case Monday morning. Uh-huh. They indeed had read it. Well, but it was not to their benefit. A rising tide does not lift uh-huh. all boats when only two of you are going to be selected. So
0: they're sandbagging you on the weekend. So
1: understanding that was the the case i thought to myself do i want to be surrounded by these people in a professional atmosphere
0: a bunch of sharks
1: and my decision was a resounding no yeah that i do not want to spend the rest of my days i may get a place on flathead lake i might have someone else cutting my grass but i'm not going to enjoy it
0: no at any level and in the time too right you see like people who are invested in that it seems like it's you're on the weekends you're cramming through files and stuff. and Whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and sit out there eating your cherries in your flathead cherry orchard, you know? Like it usually- I'd rather
1: go to a column in southern Oregon with six communities <laughs> and dire straits. Yeah. Because uh, back to that story about going to some nut cutter in, of an incident somewhere as a type 1 team, as a brand-new, fairly good operations section chief type 2, already qualification-wise over my head, Experience-wise, I'm always over my head, right? I'm fake it till you make it.
0: Yeah, that's the name of the game. Keep it simple,
1: right? Yep. You know, the last thing I will tell the citizenry as I go, I do not tell them this on day one, two, three, or four. I tell them on day fourteen. I'll say it to the community of Lolo. I say it to the community of Sealy Lake. I say it to the community of Bend, Sacramento, San Diego all these places where I've been on these big fires, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of my assignment, I will say, listen, you have an opportunity. The reason I asked for where these fires are for the last five years and how they burned intensely or not is because right now you are surrounded by a landscape that Mother Nature has hit a reset button on, okay? Yeah. You saw how ineffectual we were at stopping it where we wanted to, Right. You have an opportunity to engage with your public land management agency to maintain it, to keep it in a resilient form given the facts of climate change and the changing vegetative uh, opportunities given a drier, warmer, maybe flash-flooded from time to time environment. You have that opportunity right now. So it might look like it's all desolation, but a renewal agent has just come through here, and you have an opportunity right now. We have machinery these days. We have funding. We have boots on the ground. We have scientific research. And we got now a bunch of people in here who better be passionate about it. Yeah. Because if you aren't, you are missing the boat, and I'm leaving. Yep. So have a good day. Yeah. Right? That's how I leave those incidents, and I'm very truthful, I'm very honest, I can be extremely honest in those situations, that's the best thing about incident management, I'm going to be extremely honest with you.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point too, you know, like and and if you don't want to ask those t- questions and, and figure out how to pre- prevent this in the future and talk about like how we're going to you know uh, treat the forest going forward with the, the given conditions, like you said, global warming and longer fire seasons, hotter, drier, all that good stuff that comes along with global warming, then we continue having these large fires but if you want to talk to the experts like you said being there and give you ideas of, of how to support your public you know land you know forest service uh blm whatever it might be you know dnrc Absolutely. and 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 uh help encourage those treatments instead of litigating every time you know a fuels treatment gets proposed or whatever it might be and then like i think people haven't lived in an area where like around whitehall where i'm from where it's lodgepole and it's just it hasn't seen fire in over like a hundred years, and some of the spots are you know somewhere around there, and so you can't even, you can't walk through it. Animals aren't living in it because they can't move through it either, and it's just so unhealthy. But then once it gets treatment, and then you can go enjoy the forest more. It's it's way prettier, you yeah. know.
1: You know, but the, but there is a simple fact that you can't get away from, is we can mechanically treat x amount but Mother Nature's going to do the treatment that it's always done.
2: True. Right. Yeah. And
1: I agree with you. And I, yeah. I would say, you know, you bring up the question of litigation. All perspectives matter. All perspectives should be heard by the, the government Absolutely who represents them all, right? Yep. The left needs the right. Listen, have I been hamstrung by, uh, by, legis- by, by legislation? Yes. Have I been hamstrung by a court finding? Right. Litigation. Yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, But in we we ought to be stewards. Right. And it's not stewards for one group of people. It's stewards for everybody. That's what we do. That's what we do. And I'm not I don't I don't try to get around it. I don't try to evade responsibilities. I don't try to evade uh, legislation or litigation. Confront it. This is what I have. These are the tools that I have. How can I find my way through to where I know I got to go? Yeah. That's it. That's my job. It's yeah. not to rail and fight and complain. I'm going to find my way through another wall in the maze. Yeah. Knowing where I'm going. I'm pointed due north, right? Yeah. I just got to keep going that way. I may have to veer this way, veer that way, but I know where I'm going. Yep. Yeah. And the science tells me where I'm going. You know, my, my internal... Cooperators, my internal specialists, they tell me where I need to go. I appreciate the perspective of a plumber, but I don't go to some plumber and tell him how to screw his pipes together yeah i don't go sit underneath somebody who's doing roofing and say i think you're doing that wrong <laughs> yeah so you right? really go there i got people telling me i don't know how to fight fire that if i just had a little more courage and a little more capacity oh. or whatever competency i'd be doing better on I, their
0: landscape i see where you're going with this yeah absolutely. Uh, but for
1: me i wouldn't dream of telling another professional how to do their job absolutely right? and I, I told you earlier I believe that that person coming to me is actually frightened, yep. but they can't show me fear. They got to show me the only thing they can right now. It's going to translate into anger, yeah. and I understand that.
0: Yeah, and being powered with that information, like like you had, and, and uh, I think it, maybe you told me that, or I think I kind of had the same thing. So like I always just like, hey, you know, understand, you know, like you're scared. You know, I don't say that, but in my head, I'm thinking like I get, I get it. You're scared, and this is intense. And a lot of times it could be that person's first experience with this kind of fire where it's guys like us or ga- guys and gals like us who came up in it pretty normal now. You know, yeah. <laughs> be around big big angry fire, right. you know. You know, and
1: that home represents their life's financial accomplishments, right? Yeah. It's their life right there. I get it. Mm-hmm. It is not lost on me. You know, I'm not I'm not shining your shoes. Yeah. I'm not telling what you wanna hear, but I'm not gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you what you need to know. Yeah. And I'll tell you my perspective. I'll tell you everything that I'm doing. Yeah. You know, this is all above board. I got nothing to hide from you. The guy says, "Yeah, you're I'm paying your salary. You are." Yeah. However, the 15 cents you maybe contributed to my salary over your lifetime just ended. Now you get to listen to me. Yeah. Okay, right? Yeah. With all due respect, and then I start to talk about what it is that I'm doing.
0: Yeah. You know. So, yeah, you're doing what we can and and what do you think about when people say you know, fire is natural natural disaster. Most of the time, you know, lightning strike, whatever, and and it's something that uh, we are trying to help stop or prevent. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of people compare it to, like, uh, natural disasters and, like, hurricanes and, and tornadoes. And, and our, you know, discussion I heard recently was that, you know, you don't send people to get in front of a tornado or hurricane. Like, So why do people expect firefighters to get in front of a, a big moving fire? You well, know? There,
1: was always, there was always, like, I'm from Libby, where uh, there we mined asbestos, we pulled asbestos out of the ground.
0: Yeah, they will right? vermiculate. Yep. Yeah.
1: And, you know, some people in the community that you talk to now, they say, well, those old timers, they knew it. They, were, they understood the risk, Oof. and they did it, right? There's an acceptable casualty rate. So the military actually plans for an acceptable casualty rate. They have it written down, Oof. right? Yeah. And people say, well, you don't. And I say, well, actually, we do and it's in just in a different way we lose on average around 20 wildland firefighters a year and we don't say it's acceptable but if it weren't acceptable we'd stop doing what we're doing altogether
0: yeah you couldn't even go in the woods cuz so of there, the risk right. right
1: so there's a tacit acceptance to what we're doing right yeah. and i don't mean to minimize any of that right but there is with any there is a viewpoint to any response to a natural disaster is you know the risk you signed up for this put that keep that fire in its spot yeah right
0: yeah it makes sense
1: but i do not have in my operations an acceptable casualty or you know fatality or otherwise someone getting hit by it it's a snag patch right yeah so right now i can tell you this i've told this to many many people many many people uh, over time, is that this this fire right now, if I could make it stop, I'd stop it. If I had what it took to stop it right there, I'd stop it right there. Yeah. But right now, for either safety's sake or fire behavior's sake or topography or whatever or standing snags, I can't go get it there. Yeah. But here's what I will tell you, is I'm making plans right now to go in a defensive position, an indirect position, I'm going to put my eggs in that basket over there, right over there. Yeah. And if I and I explain that very clearly to people. They may not like it, right? There was a fire in California where there was a marine layer over the fire uh, for most of the day. And about 2 o'clock when the marine layer hit, it would blow up again.
2: Right? Oh, yeah.
1: But we took advantage of the marine layer to burn underneath it. Yeah. Right? So we're putting, yeah, I'm chasing spots and, and, and all that from 2 to 5. But from eight to two, I'm actually burning underneath that marine layer when I can. Yeah, yeah. And I'm bringing the fire down to the road. People are like, You're your lighting fire? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm bringing this to the road. And this one day, I'll never forget in this one community, I'm standing there having this heated conversation with the sheriff.
2: Oh, no. Because I'm
1: telling him now, again, another community that I'm recommending that he evacuate. Yeah. right? We're on to like day seven. He's like, he looks at me, he's like, why did we even bring you guys in here?
2: Because
0: <laughs> I'm guys... still
1: evacuating people, right? Why? What are you? What is the worth of you?
2: Oh, right?
0: that's what he's getting at, huh?
1: So the fog lifts, the marine layer lifts, and yeah. we're all we're both at this spot where we can't see anything going. I know what's going on, mm-hmm. and today's the day we're tying it into the road. Yeah, and the mortality of the trees on the hillside there, where fire doesn't normally burn that intensely, the whole community shook. Right? Yeah, we had lightning go over San Francisco. I'm sorry. Lightning should not occur in San Francisco because the coastal waters are too cold to generate that kind of convective lift. Oh I didn't so know that. when you get a huge uh lightning uh pattern like they had go over San Fran, up through Sacramento on the on the coastline, that's an odd thing. And the community was shook, right? Yeah. That is weird. So the fog lifts and we're having this discussion and it's not going well. And uh, the fog lifts, and all the fires, and I get this call that the fire is down to this road, and we're secure. No more chasing spots.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: And he looks at it, and he's, he's like, you did what? You burned down to that road? And I looked at him, and I said, today is a sea change in your, me and you's relationship. Because now I'm not going to call you tonight at midnight and say I need another community evacuated. Your fire is down to the road, and it's essentially now a hold show. And this whole conversation that you have, that we have together, it's not going to be heated anymore. Because yeah. I just burned down to the nice, to my, to my, finally got to my happy point, and I brought it down. No more spots. No more runs on the hillside. Yeah. And I just watched him. I watched his shoulders go down. <sighs> yeah. And all of a sudden, we went from being – he wanted to pull that revolver and probably yeah. slap me in the head with it. Yeah, right? pistol-whip me a little bit. Pistol-whip me <laughs> one time, yeah. Yeah. someplace where it wouldn't show. Yeah, exactly. And uh, from at that point, he un- he understood that the long game that we had to play – we had to play. I didn't want yeah. to.
0: No, it's only card you had I to had play. had to. Right, yeah. It done. Oh, it's, yeah, it's going to be such a relief, man, like having that tied in. And then, like you said, and not just for you, but for the community, for the law enforcement who is – also very nervous yeah. about everything going on and and he's and he's probably um, the liaison in a way to the community for from you guys you know cuz he lives there knows everybody and everyone's asking him questions and,
1: yeah and i respect the, the hell out of him cuz he's taking all the he's taking a lot of heat yeah, the and he's, mayor's taking a lot of heat the and, county commissioner right
0: yeah and, and and people don't think like they're not subject matter experts what what fire fire experience do they have until it's in their back door you know they're just, they're not going out to get get after fire like folks like us you yeah. know so those poor folks, of course, are gonna be stressed out because they know nothing about what what's going on, and then they're getting the questions like, "Why are they doing that?" With the you know, yeah. like we seem lighting fires. You know, there's already a fire here. They don't understand. Yeah. You know, and sometimes
1: I swing and I miss.
0: Yeah, that's that's rough. And I'll own it. Yeah, just being human, right? And doing what what is it like the, the doing the best with the amount of information you have at the time, and especially in a time crunch. You know, you don't have time to like pause. You know, and let's, let's discuss this real quick and see pro and con what's happening. It's like, i I got to make the best reaction off the cuff that I have from the slides I have.
1: Or assemble all my stuff in one spot where I think I can have a chance. Yeah. Right? So right now with, with the bipartisan infrastructure law, there's actually money to do targeted fuel breaks and what we're calling potential operational delineations. And that's a fancy way of saying we're going to take our science, we're going to take our knowledge, and we're going to try to identify on the landscape where we think a fire of magnitude could be stopped. Yeah. Right? And we're going to try to do some pretreatment in there. We're going to try to use categorical exclusions, not to get around NEPA or the environmental assessment process. But we're talking about trying to put something on the landscape, a fuel break that might work. Yeah. That's difficult. It yeah. is never easy to say this will work. Yeah. Right? I mean you know there's two things that there's two things going on right now that i see in not only litigation but in the science is that sometimes fire is burning so hot that there isn't a line that's going to stop it it's going to take the 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 treeless area on the top of the mission mountains yeah could it cross the continental divide yeah. right could it cross this lake could it cross this river this highway right that's yeah. one thing yeah and you're right And many litigants are correct in that, despite the fuels treatment, we still might get a crown fire that throws spots over the top of it. Matter of fact, the fuels treatment might even open up the canopy to the point where now there's more wind, right?
2: Yeah, Yeah, It's a good point. And that's one way of looking at it.
1: Now, the other way of looking at it is the guy or gal in the truck who's driving up the road looking for a place to put a backfiring operation into, right? Where are you going to find that? Where you've done some treatment. Yep. You can't. It would be reckless of me to walk up into some jackpotted, jackstrawed, beetle-killed lodgepole environment and think I can put a controlled backfire in it. Yeah. When I got a fire coming at me, that is negligent activity. It could be negligent.
2: Yeah. Right? And, and for-
1: but if I back off and I find a nice, huge, grassy area a half mile away from the fire, and that's where I'm taking my stand, right? Yeah. Or I'm finding a what we build is a sheltered fuel break where I've got old trees, nice grandstandies still around, but I've cleared away all the ladder fuel, right, for, say, 100 feet. Yeah. That's my fi. I call my hotshot crew. Yeah, hey, fi. You know, hey, <laughs> yeah. bud. You know, uh, make it work. Yep. Let's do it. You tell me what you need. Yeah, I will get it for you, and you tell me if you have the time. Yeah. And we will do this. And we'll plan that until you tell me you can't, because I don't know more than Fiella, right? Yeah. I don't know more than some soup who sees it every day, Fred. Yeah. I don't see. I don't. I don't know. Hey. Yeah. Especially
0: those guys. That's how I spend my
1: summer. Yep. Right. So that's the that's the that's the uh, when people say they bring up research to say that there isn't a fuel break alive that could stop a running crown. That's true. Sometimes, but if you look at it from my perspective on where I can where i can take a stand i got that's what i need i need that yeah i need that i need those places
0: absolutely right. yeah because people like, don't understand like you said the uh the dead and down jackpot and stuff there's there's not much that you can do i mean if you if you had weeks you know you could go through and mitigate that all that dead and down but uh in a fire you don't have that much time you know and especially if it's got some wind at its back like so, like you said, that meadow where you got a, a pre-treated area that you've already kind of designated, and especially the local um, lo- firefighters know, like, yeah, we, we treat this because it's part of our fuel plan. And you're like, oh, well, hey, there we are, yep. you know. And you don't have to go look for it. Anything. That's right. Yeah. And I need
1: everybody. I need yeah. everybody from my federal partners to the people who do most of the heavy lifting with even with federal money, and that is the states. Yeah. The state. The state people that I work with now in my new job are incredible they are amazing yeah because they i don't see a lot of citizens in my day-to-day but they do they're they're on the front line with them they are literally walking around their property uh telling them about they might be federal grant money available but they're the ones they're the tip of the spear the bill burdick's of the world right the eric warrington's of the world who are out there in the front yards on the front lines And telling people what they can do as a community or a single homeowner, I got mad respect for those guys because I don't have those interactions very often with the public, right? And then I need public. I need people who are neighborhood ambassadors, right? They might be former federal or state employees or whatever who now live in a community and they're looking around going, hey, we're not about as prepared as we ought to be. I need to go contact and turn this anger into uh, positive action i gotta have it all the way down the line absolutely i gotta have everybody everybody's got to be bought in right yep. and if you are disagreeing with my plan i need you too i need you too yeah if you have a problem with what i'm doing for whatever reason your professional opinion or your professional guidance whatever and and i, I pool litigants into that yeah i need you too but I need you in the planning process.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and that's a good point. Because then, if you're confident in what you're doing, you can accept whatever. Come on, uh, yeah, whatever. Let's um, do it. If friction. I'm doing
1: it wrong, tell me how we can. How we can? And I it may not be able to go all the way to where you are. Yeah, right. But I got to find some middleman. I got to find some middle ground with you. And if we can't, I'll respectfully understand that. If we can't find middle ground, yeah, I got respect for you. Yeah, okay? we can agree to disagree. Our science may clash. Right, our 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 data may clash, and we're gonna have to pick up the pieces of our shattered life and move on.
0: Yeah. Right. T- totally. Yeah. And then if you're surrounded by just bunch of yes people, yes men, yes people, that. You're not, you know, like you don't even know the blind spots you're building because everyone's just telling you you're doing great, and you can have a giant blind spot or blind spots, you know, and and uh, and you won't know it until, especially on big operations, until it hits you in the face, and you're like, whoa, mm-hmm. I've been doing this whole time, and here it is, you know, biting me, you know, whatever it might be, I don't know. Yeah. But like you said, like to to, to your point with the DNRC folks and the neighborhood representative that has a fire experience, they can be like. Hey, yeah, these are pretty bushes, but you don't want them this close to your house, or you know, like you need some kind of fuel break between the woods and, and your place if you want to keep it, you know. Yeah. And uh, people just don't know; they want to live in the in the woods. I remember, like in uh, Lolo Peak, we had that, where we were up Highway 12 doing some uh, pre-treatment to people's places, and we go in there, and people were like, "No, I want that tree. No, I want that tree." And you're like, "I know, but do you want to keep your house? You know, like." You know. we, we really got to take some of this fuel out of here and if you want to have a chance you know save it and you know I, they they were nice and they went, went along with it but they're also stressed from the fire they're stressed because they like their place just the way it is they move to the woods for a reason and that's what, verbatim is what a lot of them are saying like i'm, I'm i moved out here to get away from people and because they didn't like us being there either because they wanted to be by themselves and then they didn't want their forest their beautiful landscape to be taken away from and it's like i, yeah. I totally understand where you're coming from but yeah. You know, you're not gonna have a house if we don't do this. You know, it's just the how the house, you know, yeah, how the you know, and, and we got great play. people.
1: We got you know the Dave Atkins of the world, the the Tim Loves of the world, the Lisa, uh, Lisa Lang Navarros of the world, who yeah. are those neighborhood ambassadors and and can and speak neighborhood, yeah. right? Because they they speak live there. neighborhood, yeah, live the there, right? Yeah, it's interesting when I um when I go to a community when I tell the sheriff. Because they ask me, "What do you want? Do you want a clean environment? Do you want everybody out? Right? Oh. How bad do you want me to go in?" I don't, and I don't tell them what to do. I yeah. tell them why I they should do it because they're responsible for that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But when
1: there are a few people that kind of hang around, stick around. Yeah, I don't mind them. I don't go over to them and say, "Can I get your next to kin? You got dental records?" I don't. <laughs> I'm not. I say, "Well, well they're holding a the garden hose." Outside How's it their going? House? Yeah. Is there a place where we can put animals? Is there a safety zone? Is there something, right? Yeah, good point. Are you looking after somebody who can't move right now? Yeah. I don't mind that intel. I don't mind people hanging around a little bit because, hey, man, we're all in this together.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, because you see that even in the news, you know, and going through California, wherever it might be, you know, like any place really in the Northwest or in the U.S. and someone's <laughs> out there with a garden hose, like, well, the fire's, like, threatening their home. And they're like, I'm not going anywhere. You're like, okay, I mean, it's your right. But, man, it's tough, you know? Yeah. It is. Yeah. And then i got I got another question for you if you got a minute. Yeah. Uh, so, I um, mean, the T-Bro, the Tyler Brothers were talking yesterday, and, and uh, he was saying something about, uh, we were just discussing the amount that uh, something <laughs> like the Wildland Fire Fire Foundation shoulders, the amount of weight they shoulder, like in bad situations, I mean, they are the ones who are doing the most funding, the most help, it feels like, and support. Uh, is there... Is, I mean, is that just the way it's going to be, or should the agency you think be doing more, or can they do more? Or? That's a great question. You know, it's like a great I don't, question. I don't know what those waters are look like. You yeah.
1: Know? No, no, that's a great question. So, the short answer to your question is, I always say, yes. There is a there is a foundation out there. There's the National Fallen Firefighter Foundation that helps. Oh. The Department of Justice actually has uh it's called a Public Service Officer benefit that is substantial. Uh, volunteer fire departments police departments have been doing this a long time fire you know career fire departments have been doing this a long time taking care of their own right yeah there's lots of available uh, uh, funding because one I'll never make the situation good yeah. it ain't possible no right but I, at least I can I can create opportunity the family doesn't have to be stuck the family can move on not not. In an emotional way, perhaps, yeah, but they're not; they don't have to worry about finances,
0: yeah, right. Especially family where the you know maybe the bed, the breadwinner was the hotshot or fire uh, yeah. person, you know. And I don't
1: even; it takes me a while as a family liaison to even approach that topic with somebody because they feel some people feel it's dirty money, yeah, it's money that's made off the death of my wife or husband, right? They yeah. don't want it, yeah, they don't want it. When my mom died, uh, my dad didn't even want the insurance money. It felt terrible. He'd been paying into it his whole life. He didn't even want it. He didn't yeah. use it. Yeah. He said, does anybody want this? Because I'm going to give it to charity. Oh, right? really? So anyway, the one thing I will always say is that, yeah, the foundation's a phone call away, and they will help, Yeah, right? However, it's my job in the class. We teach this, and you will not stand alone, in the casualty assistance program that the Forest Service and other agencies are, are, co- are collaborators on it is it is our goal to inform our employees let's make the let's let the agency help there's lots that we can do yeah before we call the foundation it may take a little bit longer and sometimes you know it's like for example if a family if if um, if someone dies on an incident or someone dies in their own home they've taken their own life yeah. right the family wants to come. That's the first thing. Family wants to come.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Can you? Do you know if if I, as a federal employee, can actually pay for their travel? Do you know? What do you think? You don't have to be right. What do you think?
0: Uh, I feel like no. Just uh, just because I feel like it's. I don't know. I don't I just don't know how you justify it I guess even, you uh, know.
1: That's it. That's, it that's, that's fine. But the answer is yes. Oh, really? It's called invitational travel, oh. right? All I need from them, I have to set them up in the same concur system for invita- for travel that I use. Yeah, we All use I need from you is your social security number and I will get you in a matter of maybe a day or so. It might take not even a day. Oh. We have I have people we have people in the casualty assistance program. That can make that decision for you immediately, God, dang. and so I can get them a flight. Yeah, and so the easy button for most people is to say, like, you, your impression yeah. is to say, we're not going to be able to do that. We're not going to waste our time. Call Burke.
0: Yep, yeah, exactly. That's where right? my brain went, especially speed-wise too. It's my
1: you- job to say, listen, with all due respect, it's going to take a, a couple hours. Yeah, right. But we're gonna we're gonna call this the CFO at the Washington office. And Tony Dixon and their staff, who are rock stars, are going to give me the authority to put that in I'm going to type it in, and I'm going to get you a flight, yeah, okay. You may have to incur the finance, but I'm going to reimburse you, so that's how we do it yeah right? that's how we that's how the government works. You experience a, an expenditure and then you get it back.
0: And, like I said, that's just the same with us. You know, if we go on a fire assignment, same, same deal. Same thing. And yeah. it's up
1: to me as a family liaison. And we have what's called an administrative liaison that Deanna Crawford, she's a rock star, she came up with after three fatalities on the Lolo. She's like, oh. someone has to speak financial, someone yeah. has to understand the financial yeah. system. Man. So, we created an administrative liaison whose job is to say, stop, we can do this. Let's do this, yeah. and, uh, and also to say we can't do this. One of the things I can't do is I can't bring food to a memorial, huh. oddly enough.
2: Right? That's an odd thing, yeah.
1: So I know that going into advance with my training, so I yeah. call the people who can. Missoula Rural Fire Department, Missoula Fire Department, oh. Missoula Police Department, or a foundation something. You guys have a kitty for bringing in food, something for our for our family Our families or for the participants, absolutely. Yeah, got a chaplain. Can you get me a flag? I can't go buy a flag. I understand what I need to do, right? And we're gonna go get a flag from Brett's RV, or we're gonna get a flag from four B's, or whatever. These guys are great, right? We'll move a mountain. Most of what you see in response is paid for by the agency, and most of the benefits that go to a family come from the agency. Oh, there's a lot. And yeah. a lot of people don't know what they are, and that's why people come to the class.
0: Yeah, right. Man, that's smart. I should, I should attend that class, even just for like this, oh. you know, doing this. You know, like, because uh, you know, I was kind of, you know, because you're, you're kind of a big deal. You know, uh, I think you know a little bit about being a big deal, but you, I mean, you are like people know who you are, and because you've reached so many people with, with classes and so many people who are like in my level. I mean, one of my friends, Greg Shanks, and FMO, and that's kind of the trajectory. If I would have stuck around the district, I would be like. In AFMO FMO kind of range right now, if I didn't go jump, probably you know. So, I mean, like all these people who are now kind of big deals themselves, you know. Like came up through the ranks of you teaching them, you know. And uh so, you know, kind of a big deal. And so, when I came coming to talk to you, I was like asking like Tyler Brothers and a few folks, like you guys got some good stuff to, you know, you want to hear me ask CJ, you know, and and just. And that was just you know kind of the, the one thing that was like coming up was like yeah you know the foundation you hear about them and then like the nfr you know uh national finals rodeo mm-hmm. and burke's out there getting a check which is awesome a quarter to see million dollars yeah Pete Coors Pete Coors oh yeah. man i'm so pumped to see that and it, that that hit my brain when you talked about vicky and burke uh doing those t-shirts and then you know a hundred thousand dollars huge ten dollars at a time however long that took and then Someone like Pete Coors comes through and then bam here you go. You yeah. know? God, what what awesome. Yeah, I can't moment. you
1: know, I can't say enough and I'm you know, when I I but I wasn't a Coors kid growing up. As a matter of fact that there's a great guy in town here, um, his name's Mike Markovich and he runs Summit Beverage and yeah, yeah. and he reached out to us. And uh, you know, Pete Coors made it pretty clear to his uh distributors to say, Listen, we wanna be the beer wildland firefighters. Yeah. Okay. And I appreciate that. Right. I appreciate any I appreciate any uh, company that would want to support a damn good idea We've been over that right yeah right so I, if you if you wanna for whatever reason and it's likely financial but I don't know I've never had a talk with Pete right? yeah. I don't know what his motivations are right I just know that he he, he provides resources that I can you give me a dollar I'll make it three yeah that's what I do so I appreciate when you when you when you have a commercial, to say we support wildland firefighters. I appreciate that. The semis, but. With the big murals? Send me 50 and I'll turn it into 150. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So there's some great people all up and down the line. You know, the Markovich Foundation is, they reach out. Those guys reach out, and that's just locally here in town. Oh. He's the summit uh, distributor. Oh, gotcha. and a And a, a stalwart partner of ours in the putt and Pole, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And so all that stuff. All that stuff is great, but I never lose sight of my agency and what we can do for people. Yeah. And most people, like this kid that came to me and asked me about, didn't understand that there was matching contributions. Yeah. They just never no one ever sat down and talked to people. About what's available. Yeah. What does your read down your paycheck? What does it even have on it? Do you understand what's in your paycheck? Yeah. Do you understand what your benefits are when you get a benefit statement? Do you understand how that can work? And a lot of that stuff you have to go digging, mm-hmm. or you have someone like T Bro, yeah. someone who understands that it's my job as a supervisor to make this person care about this and understand it. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And it a lot of times that comes out of tragedy. You know the guys on the San Bernardino, they had a an engine company uh, were killed overrun by a fire, Oh, man. Uh, and all those guys from the San Bernardino, and I Chris Fogel comes to mind because Fogle went and I didn't know Fogle before the uh, the burnover on the San Bernardino, and the incident name is escaping me. I apologize. Yeah. Um, but Fogle has become an expert on what the agency can do, what the agency's barriers and limitations are, and how we train our people accordingly. He is he is a man of immense stature.
0: That's important to have.
1: Because he knows, he understands uh, the ins and outs of policy, investigations, right? Yeah. What we can do, what we can't do. That man has become the expert, in my opinion, and... It came out of tragedy. Yeah. It came out of what he saw, how we treated people, how we could support people, how investigations impacted people, how the how the release of in, of investigative reports affected families. He saw it all.
0: Yeah, I bet I didn't think about that. Not many people would really. You and know? he could
1: have walked away from it. He could have said it's too much, you know. And he didn't.
0: And that is a lot to take on. Yeah,
1: and he's the man, right? Yeah. And, and he will tell you straight. He, he, his employees i guarantee you are fully informed yeah they are fully informed of I, what all these ins and outs of what people don't know don't even know what to ask his employees are i guarantee you they're all lined
0: up yeah i think that and that, that's important uh to have too because then i think when you have educated employees like that too is then they understand the, the buying a little bit and for me, I worked in the private sector for a little bit, so I understand what it's like on the outside of, of the federal service, like the Forest Service. Um, I mean, even like little things like being able to share your sick leave. Like I, you know, if, if something happened to you and you, you were able to you burned out your sick leave, like me and other Forest Service employees can donate to you. You know, like that's huge. You don't have that in the private private sector. You know, and or two other many lines of work. You know, and I think. Being educated on that, like I guess what I'm trying to say is then you understand kind of how good you may have it, you know, and, and your options at least. You know, and maybe, maybe you can get it better somewhere else, but at least you, you have a really good idea of, you know, how good it is, I guess, to me. Absolutely. Yeah, because that, that's just kind of more stuff you, you've run into when people get sour with the agency. I think they kind of forget um, all the options and stuff too, you know, and, and just the support that you do get, even though it, it feels slow sometimes. But I think it's you just don't know the right channels, like you were just telling me about. The flying, the families—you know—it's like, I was like, if that can happen, it's going to be weeks. And but I didn't—I didn't think of it as like operationally in myself. I've had it where I can't remember what happened, but um, my my flight on my end said it was booked, but then in, in the airlines, and it wasn't—you know, it wasn't purchased. Or, but like, I thought I had it all ready to go. And then it's I just to, sitting there reserved. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I, get up, I got to get on the flight. I'm coming from Region 8, and, uh, you know, I'm trying to check my PG bag and, and then my personal bag, you know, or my line gear and my personal gear. And uh, next thing I know, I don't have a flight.
1: Right. Would you like to buy a ticket today, sir? Yeah. That's how this works. Yeah, yeah, so
0: it's like, oh, no. So I get on, you know, with the uh, – god, what was it then? Um, the travel company that we work with. Was it Concur? Concur, yeah. And I thought there was, like, another number. But anyways, I call them up, and they're like, Yep, yeah, let's see what we can do. And, I mean, that, that flight, like, was – about full and was going to leave, and I didn't even have time to check my, my line gear. And so like I just got my stinky line gear and just run on the plane. And, you know, like it happened that fast. And yeah. that's what my brain went to when you were saying, and we can make things happen. You know, you just got to know that you can, I guess. Well,
1: and I'll tell you what, you know, I will tell people, don't feel like you have the responsibility to know it all. You just need to know who to call. True. There is a power pack five foot six woman in Crystal Johnson. Yeah. Who is, uh, came out also at San Bernardino tragedy. And the god the name of that, uh, engine company and all that's escaping me i feel terrible about that but
0: i know i need someone i need someone here to be able to look up stuff for us that's right one of these days
1: that's right so she and fogel and several other folks came out of that tragedy with the passion to uh sound the alarm organize resources create resources and get the word out yeah and so when i i don't feel like i have to know everything at all i have actually a very poor memory
0: you seem like you have a heck of a memory. No.
1: it's uh, I have to practice it. People think I'm crazy driving down the road because I'm actually like when I was coming here. Yeah, I am physically talking. I'm a behaviorist, right? So I'm physically talking about how I might start talking today. Oh, I had really? a stutter when I was a kid. Dad had a dad had a, had a pretty bad stutter.
0: I remember you telling me this in one of my first classes. Yeah. With so you. So I
1: have to practice what I say. Yeah. Once I get to where, and I I take pauses, I take pauses because the way when you stutter you have the idea of the word in your head and you can't get it out of your mouth right oh. that's what it is that's what that's what it i can see it i can it's ready to go but i can't say it
2: oh right? wow so yeah. i do
1: the same thing um, and so i don't have to kn- i don't have to know everything <laughs> you know give yeah. me a break yeah. or remember it all something stick with me right after i teach them once i teach something I got it. Yeah. If I just hear it from somebody, you know. So I know my phone, I've had the same number. I've had different phones, but I've had the same phone number. And all my contacts, I don't care about apps. I don't care about my cookies, my web history.
0: Yeah, yeah. Not the gram.
1: I have people in my phone. And when I have something that I need an answer to, I pick up the phone. Smart. And I call them. Because yeah. I don't, hey, man, if I need an authoritative answer, then I know who to call. That's yeah. the whole gig. You don't have to know all this stuff. It's great that you do because you're empowering yourself and you're, the, most importantly, the people who work for you. Yeah. That you work for. You know, T- uh, Todd Wilson told me a long time, he would always ask this question. Uh, he'd ask a question of a kid. He'd say, hey, who do you work for? And he'd say... Uh, I work for Brett Lewis. He's my supervisor. No, you don't. Brett works for you. You'd always say that, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I've heard that a few times in my history yeah. too. In my career. You know,
1: who rob bitter root? That's where I heard that first was on the Bitteret. Yeah. Who do you work for? Well, I work for you know, I work for Bart Hoig. No, Bart works for you. You yeah. do work for your family. You know, you work for the people you supervise. That's who you work for.
0: And it makes sense because, like, when something happens, you know, like with me and my crones. You know, I go to my supervisor, and then the supervisor is the one who usually is chasing down the answers and and figuring out what I can do, where my options are. You know, and um, yeah, so, that's I, I even though I've heard it, like my brain didn't really process it that way. Yeah. You know?
1: No, I get it. Tell you, tell you, live it, chew it, and teach it. I and mean, that's no joke. Yeah, the top of the learning pyramid is teach it. It's not even doing it. Yeah. It's teaching it. You you learn the least from a lecture. You learn a little more by doing some kind of hands-on activity. You learn a little more by actually physically doing it and gaining experience. And you learn the most when you have the proficiency enough to, to teach it.
0: Yeah, I know. I know that so too. Like even like uh, as engine boss, crew boss, whatever those like real hands-on ones are. I mean, I guess all the way up like division or anything. I guess in the wildland, really, when you're gonna have a trainee, that's usually like. You can do the job really well, but then you get even better when you have the training and you have to explain it and and the why to everything, you know, and if you're not given the why, then you're not being a good mm-hmm. instructor, right? So, mm-hmm. Wow, man, that's that's good stuff No, well, CJ, I don't want to keep you too long. I man, We've got about, let me see, two hours and 13 minutes right there. I, don't, um, I was going to ask you a few more questions, but I think uh, maybe, maybe in the next one or something.
1: Yeah, we can do it again. Why don't we do it again?
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking too because my bladder is about to explode and it yeah. is getting a little chilly in here. Are you feeling cold?
1: No, I got my, uh, Ryan Moline gave me this, uh, you know, there's only two ways to get a firefighter apparel, right? Be one or do one. Yeah. Right. But old Ryan Moline over in North Dakota, he works for North Dakota, uh, University, North Dakota Forest Service. I only met him through this job.
0: You guys are close.
1: And, uh, well, (laughs) uh, I respect Ryan because Ryan gets it done. He gets it done. Oh, and, uh, he just gave me this, you know, I gave him, I think I gave him a challenge coin and. Oh, and he starts looking around, and he's like, "I don't know what I can give you." Yeah, and I said, "Buddy, that, who who else is going to fit into a two XL hoodie True. on a fire crew?" He's said, "I'll take that." He's like, "You got it." So I'm good shout to bro- out to old Ryan Molino
0: there, go yeah, hey. to
1: doing the good work.
0: Yeah. Man, absolutely, and I've been eyeballing a little bit, and I didn't like really put it together. It's just one of those things, like I'm like, "Yeah, that's a cool looking logo." And like, but I was reading North Dakota Fire the whole time, and I was like, "When would you have been out there?" You know, like it didn't it didn't click until you said something. Yeah, you know, good
1: folks out there.
0: Yeah, um, so February fourth, uh, Fire and Ice. Six o'clock. Six o'clock.
1: Come on down. You better hurry because the place fills up. Oh,
0: madhouse! That's the biggest crowd. Oh, I was gonna say that's the biggest crowd I ever played for. And I played high school sports. You know, played, I was. I ran college track, but no one really like. You don't get a really monster crowd coming out for track. But, man, when I came in last year to playing for that crowd, man. And I was like post pandemic when things were kind of getting more back to normal. Holy, and you could feel it. Yeah.
1: Hey, and bring a couple hundred bucks to fling around. It's a fundraiser. Yeah. Right. So bring some money. Bring a checkbook. Don't overextend yourself, yeah. but the money that we're raising is going right to families. All right. So uh, it's, a t- it's a fundraiser. Let's be generous. Let's do what we can. If you can't, if you just come down there and have some fun, help out your own mental health, right? Huge. Come together. Come together with your peers on that night, your sisters and bros. If you got two nickels to rub together and you just want to have some fun, come on down. Absolutely. Come on down. Let's connect. Yeah. Let's get together.
0: Absolutely, yeah. It's a great time for it, man. You could see it in in people's faces. Even on ice, like it felt like people weren't even watching the game as much. It was more like a a, a background almost when people were just reconnecting last year. It was so amazing to see, powerful man. You could feel it. And then April twenty second,
1: April twenty second, Saturday night. You know, you you, you If you go to MissoulaPuttAndPull you'll get all the intel you need. Uh, and uh, big party at the Missoula Brewing highlander out there yeah so if you don't if you don't play if you don't shoot trap don't play golf and you want to come out again and experience the best thing i got to offer you and that's connectivity with your peers uh, in a nice social situation yeah come on down great spot have a highlander. great time yeah have a great time
0: man well yeah thanks cj i appreciate you Thank coming you in man bit. and I appreciate taking time on saturday and this man it's cold like man my my boots aren't as warm as that sweatshirt. i guess <laughs> But, yeah, thanks again, sir. My pleasure. Thanks.